Welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional live streamer. And now, here's your host. She's a dirty junk rat man on Overwatch, Ashney Christ. Hello, streamers, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. I've got an amazing interview for you today. But before we jump into that, I also have an update for you. So we are actually part of Anchor's launch team for listener support. And listener support is a new feature from Anchor where you can actually financially support a show on Anchor's website, which is just wild. Like, this is this is wild. So you go over to anchor.fm slash ashneychrist. You can do that on mobile or on the uh, desktop browser. They don't have it actually integrated yet into the application itself. So if you are looking for this on the application, you're not going to find it. But there's a button there where you can go and actually like subscribe to the show listener support and contribute financially to your favorite shows so that's really awesome if you enjoy this show or if you enjoy any other shows that are actually created on anchor it's a really great way for you to just show some love and support for the people that are creating the content that you really enjoy however okay this is this is definitely something we were kind of already doing with patreon so i feel like i need to talk about what the difference is between listener support and patreon the listener support side is definitely going to be for anyone who just loves the show and wants to support. Patreon is still going to be the place where you want to go if you are a streamer and you need additional help. That is still our number one resource for being able to get additional resources, additional uh, videos and things that I don't talk about elsewhere as well as to get like one-on-one coaching and group coaching, monthly industry news posts. Like there's a lot of stuff over there just for you, just for streamers. If you want to like step up your game, that is where you want to go. But listener support is still something that I absolutely want to contribute something towards as well. So if you all have any ideas of what I can do, uh, if you want to just do listener support, like what I can do to really thank you for that, I'll probably continue just calling out people that sign up for Patreon and listener support during the podcast. But if there's anything else that I can do, feel free to tweet at me um, or DM me on Discord and let me know. Okay, so let's talk about this week's episode. Today we are talking to Lono, who is actually known as Say No to Rage on Twitch. This is one of my favorite episodes. It is seriously so good. Lono drops serious knowledge bombs about like pivoting and what it really takes to be a streamer. There's so much in this episode, so much good information. And Lono is very similar to me in how I like to really get on <laughs> my soapbox about things and get very passionate. And so it's really cool to see that in someone else. So I think you guys are going to really, really like this and I will see you after the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. Today with me, I have Say No to Rage, who is a Twitch partner and content creator. Lono, are you comfortable with me just kind of establishing some context by telling people, like, follow numbers on YouTube and Twitch, or would you rather we left that off? Oh, and you, yeah, feel free okay. to, to put that out there. That's fine. Yeah, so just to give you all some context... Uh, the Say No To Rage channel is looking at 25,000 members strong on YouTube and 130,000 on Twitch, 17K on Twitter. So we've got some decent numbers, which 
we all know that the numbers are just a portion of the actual experience that a broadcaster provides. So let's go ahead and jump a little deeper and figure out what is behind these numbers. So we talked a little bit about this before I actually started this recording. The first thing I noticed from your content, and I think the first thing that a lot of people notice whenever it comes to you or more established broadcasters like yourself as well, is that your graphics are just amazing. They really, I think, they add to your professionalism. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I want to talk about like how important do you feel like <clears throat> graphics are and that visual branding is to an aspiring streamer? I mean, I think it's good you qualified an aspiring streamer because I early on, there's a lot of things that streamers focus on that aren't helpful. And I think that can be one of them. Can be. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge distraction, but I do think a lot of the times earlier broadcasters, because they're aspiring to be like the established professionals, they attempt to emulate that. And there's actually nothing wrong with that, but it ends up bleeding over into focusing on things that ultimately don't matter. They want the best equipment, microphone, green screen. They want the best graphics. And graphics specifically early on, I don't necessarily think are a focus for an aspiring broadcaster just because that's not what's going to bring people back to your channel. Whenever you're starting out, the main thing that's going to bring people back is you. They have, they feel a connection whenever they're watching or interacting with you. And that's, that is the, the magnet that you need to be focusing on early on. People focus on alerts and emotes and badges, especially now you can become affiliated and partnered so much easier than you used to be able to emotes and badges and all that can eat up a lot of your time and then they'll spend money uh on a on a graphic designer and pay for really really top shelf graphics and for me this could just be me i don't know if this is true of the 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 viewership base of twitch at at large but whenever i go into a channel and the graphics are incredibly high very very well done and the channel seems very new. There's not a lot of people in there. There's something almost cart before the horse there that I don't know. Like I said before, we were before the cast even went live, the recording that is. And I said, that's kind of grassroots. You know, you're making your own graphics. You're doing your own stuff. I like that. I think there's something special and, and, and organic about that. The, the stream is getting refined as it goes. And as as things progress and as maybe there's some income and some money, you can invest in higher quality things. The first thing you always want to spend money on is, I think, a microphone. I think the better the microphone, the better your voice sounds. That's a huge selling factor for people when they're lurking. They can't always watch what you're doing. They can't always see your face. That's always, I think, far more important than I have really nice graphics. So for me, I've always said, let there be an impetus. Let there be an impetus for purchases, whether it's equipment or whether it's graphics. And early on, especially now, the market is very saturated. You don't want to invest tons of time and money into things that in the early stages of a stream aren't actually what brings people in to begin with. So I think it can be a distraction from focusing on the other, the other factors that are far more important when you're starting out broadcasting. Yeah, would you say that that desire for perfectionism kind of prevents people from just getting started. Yeah, that's, that's another side of it. I didn't even touch on. I I think sometimes people say, well, I'll start streaming when, and then you just fill in the blank, right? I'll start streaming when I have a better streaming rig or I'll stream when I 
have all the equipment or a graphic designer or whatever. Like they, maybe they don't have the money or whatever. I, the best thing to remember is that early on, and, and this is something you have to remind yourself, when you start streaming, nobody's watching you. It, it, that's just that's just the facts. Unless you network really well and you have people that are there day one who are familiar with you on Twitch, maybe you hang out on a lot of streams and chat rooms or whatever, you're generally going to be streaming to almost nobody. And I think those early days and weeks are very important because you can focus on practicing, watching your past broadcasts, you know, are you narrating your gameplay? How's the lighting? How's where you're sitting? Those types of things start to polish what's there, right? You're, if you think of it as you're building, you're building a sandcastle and instead of focusing on having the best sandcastle and like each brick has to be in place, just polish what's there. Whatever's there that can be worked on and improved upon, do it. And then as you go, you can improve and add things you know, in the months to come. And I think that's why, like you said, perfectionism can can short-circuit motivation because it, it disguises itself as well-intended passion. Like, well, I really want things to be good. I really want things to be excellent. And then you stop and you don't actually move. It can be a stagnating, uh, it can be a stagnating philosophy about doing anything. Even once you're established and you're creating content, you might have ideas about a segment or a video you want to do and you don't do it because you're like, well, I couldn't make it perfect or I couldn't do this. And you may miss out on really, really good content because you're you're taking a philosophy that is not an activating one, but an inhibiting one. So I would say don't get hung up on those little things. Just jump in the pool and figure out if you can swim or not. Yes, exactly. I think like in my experience, I talk to a lot of people who they're spending a ton of time tweaking their schedule or even just like sitting down to figure out the schedule takes them hours and hours and hours. And they will literally look at like, what's the perfect optimum time for me to be streaming this versus this? And how do these things fit into my schedule? And also graphics, people spend so much time on these things and like do graphics make a difference at all? Like, yes, but graphics aren't a substitute for being an entertainer from having like a good personality that is charismatic and draws people to you right mm -hmm. so let's talk about the the charisma and the personality factor of this because another thing that i'm sure you get all the time as well just being a, an educator and helping as many people as you do is that people constantly come to me and say like I'm just a very chill person. Like, I'm just very relaxed. And they say, because of this, like, I'm never going to do anything on Twitch. People are never going to come to me because I'm so chill. So you yourself, like, you're even kind of a, a calmer personality in comparison to some people who are, like, really, really out there. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel like someone can be a little bit more, like, chill and entertaining and do those things mesh well together? Or... Or do people have to be, like, super out there? I think it depends. I mean, I, if, you, if you watch my stream enough, I, calm, calm is a descriptor for me probably half the time. Um, yeah, if I true. get really going, If I get really going on a subject and get really passionate, I put the controller down, my hands start going, I, I, I rant and I rave. And that is a value point, I think, in the stream. People like it. They, you know, they'll spam the preachy mode that, you know, they're like, they enjoy that aspect. They want to see somebody get animated. But I think that I talked about this earlier and I paralleled it to video games. I forget what we were talking about, but I said, 
Call of Duty campaign started to bore me because I felt like it was always at 11. Always. The intensity was way, way high. And it starts to not feel intense. There's no dynamics. There's no up and down. And I paralleled it to like a Rainbow Six Siege terrorist hunt mission where it's calm, it's slow, you're kind of hiding and preparing, and then the intensity grows. And you feel that as a gamer, right? Your heart's pounding, you might fail. Similar with even Battle Royale. It starts out, it's kind of chaotic, doesn't matter. And then when it's a 1v1 at the end, your hands are almost shaking. There's adrenaline. And, and that's what's so addicting about those games. Streaming is very similar in that people, if you, if you talk like this all day, eventually people are going to get tired of that or numb to it, and it loses its punch. It loses its intensity. And so I think dynamics in, in how you entertain and, and maybe segments that you do, jokes that you're telling, et cetera. Number one, you can't wear yourself out. But number two, I think the value is better when it's intermittent. And so people that are crazy and insane all the time are screaming and yelling are only going to appeal to people that like that. If you're super, super calm and monotone all the time, you're only going to appeal to people that like that. But when there's more dynamics to the personality, to the the vibe and the just the way that you talk, I think you become more appealing to a broader audience. You could you could use examples of guys even like Ninja and Dr. Disrespect. They're completely different broadcasters, but Ninja's not always running around his room screaming, right? He'll sit there, he'll call he's calm, he'll explain the game. But then when he has a really incredible game, he's running around, he's screaming, he's dancing. Same with Doc. Doc will slam his fist on his desk and yell and scream. Other times he's singing the Folgers theme song. Like there's highs and there's lows. There's, there's, there's artistry to what they're doing. They're not just staying in the lane of, I, I need to be entertaining. I need to be telling jokes. And so whatever your personality is, you want to channel the best parts of that, not in a fake way, but do do you get animated about certain subjects? And if so, what are they? People like to hear other people get excited. It's infectious. If you start talking about a movie or a book that you love, everybody starts to kind of tune in and listen. Like, oh, what are they talking about? I want to check that out. Or they may say, me too. That's essentially the beginning of a friendship. It's when someone says, you like that, so do I. That's essentially the beginning of a friendship, usually, whether it's a band or a movie or a book. Because they say, oh, I like that as well. And what's your what's your sort of low vibe too like know how high and low you get so that you can kind of watch your past broadcast and say well today i was just too down i was down at like a two all day why why was i down was there personal stuff going on was i not intentional enough did i not pick topics did i not engage chat did i miss opportunities to to channel something into a funny moment or whatever you always want to be sort of assessing what you're doing with your time so that you're not staying if because everybody's spectrum's different i get all the way up to like a nine or a ten where i'm screaming and yelling i back away from the mic i raise my voice you know and people love it but they wouldn't love it if it was that for eight hours a day my voice probably wouldn't survive either um and there are days where i do that more than others but if i'm watching my stream and for a week i'm like man all week long i'm not hitting a nine i'm always at a two what's going on what's the problem is the game boring me Am I, do I have personal stuff I need to deal with first? Do I need to kind of maybe get in a better headspace before I start? Like, take it serious. Almost give yourself a pep talk. Like, get in the headspace of what you're doing. This is the entertainment business. Like, don't kid yourself. You're not just hanging out with people. You're putting on a show. What show are you going to put on? And I think that 
that can land on your personality in a way that allows it to be genuine and organic. It's you getting excited or staying calm, but it's not forced and it's not in a rut of one, one type or, or one side of your personality. That's so good. And it's also you like making that acknowledgement that it, this is the entertainment industry. So, and there are many different types, just as we build communities to be inclusive of many different types of people. Um, we also want to build like our and show off and showcase the different sides of our personality that might connect more with different types of people as well. So I think it's really good that you're like, you're keeping your, your audience open in multiple different ways. And you're kind of growing because so many people are, they're attracted to whether you're like more chill or whether you get really hyped and excited and passionate and get on your soapbox about something people get mm -hmm. excited about both of those things so i think that that's really awesome um and that's just a testament i think to personality which is really what i'd like to talk about next because so much of this as you said since it's the freaking entertainment industry a lot of this is based on your personality and who you kind of present to the world and to the community so uh, my question i think here would be what are some other reasons uh that you feel like you have brought people into your space and that have helped grow your community and your stream? I think one of the things you always have to do is assess why people are watching. Um, the rant I went on recently, and I've gone on this rant many times, is the number one question a streamer should answer is, why should anybody watch you? What's the reason? And answering that question is difficult. You have to answer that question with a series of other questions. What type of content are you making? What's the value? What's the brand? What's the identity? And you have to answer those questions. Or if not, you'll be the chill stream. It's another thing I rant about. People are like, oh, we're just a chill stream here. Dude, we chill. I was going to ask you about this because I, <laughs> I went on a rant about this last week too. Like chill stream as your title. Ugh. Hmm. I get so well, emotional about this. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that we're in like mind about that because yes. I I, uh, <laughs> I when I've seen people get raided and they have the, the, this is your moment this is your moment you have an unusually bright spotlight on you and that's their elevator speech is we're a chill stream we chill here now I know there's people along a spectrum there are hobbyists enthusiasts and professionals there are people aspiring to be professionals there are people that just want to hang out with their buds so people respond differently to raids and I I leave space for that but. If, if you're wanting to grow and do this as a profession, then you you have to say more than that. So answering the question, why should anybody watch you? you know, you're asking me, what are some of the things I've done that make people stay and watch? Well, the only way to really know that is to be in tune with what I'm doing and creating, watching my past broadcasts and being honest. Watch your past broadcasts, and this is a tough question to answer. Would you watch your stream? Would you stay more than 30 seconds? And a lot of people, if they're honest early on, would say, no, I wouldn't. And then the next question you should ask is, what would make you stay? What would you change that would make you stay and continue to watch? You want to make the show that you would watch, write the book that you would read, essentially. That should always be before you. You, you never ascend beyond this, by the way. So for I've been streaming for three and a half years. I've been partnered for two and a half years. I've never not done that. I watch my past broadcasts. I check and I see what are people responding well to? What are people... Another thing is, what are people asking about? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? You're probably getting people asking all the time. Who's the guest? When's the next podcast, etc.? Because that's a value point you've created. People have latched onto it and they want more of it. 
And you always take whatever anybody's latching on to. And if you're enjoying doing it, you iterate on it and you make it better. So my podcast that I do in the mornings called SNTR Presents, where I cover a topic and then do Q&A, that's gone through like four or five different versions over the last two years because I'm always watching it, listening to it and saying, how can I make this better? How can I polish this? How can I make this in a way that's more accessible and enjoyable for the audience that's both listening and watching? And I don't think I'm ever going to not do that. And, and that's how I think you get in tune with what's the audience enjoying and how can I give them more of that? Because I think that's a struggle that a lot of streamers have is that a lot of times they get preachy on Twitter. Support the streamer, not the game. Absolutely not. No, support what entertains you. If I'm entertaining you, then I'm doing my job, and that means you're going to come back. And the only way you transcend the game, like get above the game, get above the content, and get people to enjoy you more than just the game, is by asking those really hard questions about how are you increasing value, what are you doing that is very intentional with respect to entertainment. Are you doing segments? Are you, are you creating content, or are you just playing video games? That's that's a tough that's a tough real look at your look at your streams because that's going to probably make you get critical maybe even have mods and friends that you trust that'll be honest with you and I think those discussions have been invaluable to me the mods are like well people really like this or this or this didn't seem to go over that well and we kind of comb over the content to make it better so the the thing that I really leaned into is talk show like it's like a radio show I have tons of lurkers. I got discouraged because on Saturdays and Sundays, my viewership numbers are like a fourth. They're like a fourth or a fifth of what I get during the week. It's like, holy smokes, where is everybody? Well, I figured out that my audience is very much worker lurkers. They're working and they're lurking. They're at their job. They've got me in the background, etc. And when Saturday and Sunday hits, they're not they're not going to be in the stream. They're not at work. They're 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 hanging with their family. Maybe they're playing games themselves. And at first getting discouraged by that, I was like, oh my word, like, what am I going to do to increase viewership on the weekend? But instead I flipped it upside down. I said, well, there's a value point here. There's a, there's a quality here. I can say, I have an audience that likes to listen. I have an audience that likes to lurk. I'm going to lean into the radio show podcast style and just always be talking, always have a topic, question and answer, debate, discussion. That, that then becomes infectious. And they're like, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. And then that can be, that can have elasticity. You can take that into any game, any directory, as long as you're offering that, that feel that people have come to love and enjoy. So that I think is the number one thing I leaned into. And I leaned away from doing service streams, which if you're familiar with destiny, service streams are come in and the streamer will help you with a raid or trials. And I wanted to lean away from that and have it be more about you're here for me you're here for what I'm offering and you're leaving feeling like it was time well spent and not, oh, I'm here to play this game with streamer. Um, so that's been the biggest value point and, and focus that I put on probably since the middle of last year. So over a year now, I've really focused on that aspect of my streams. Dude, I have to give you like some serious props right now. You are a fantastic guest for podcasts. Like there's so much just based on what you just said that I could dive deeper into and so many other topics that we can talk about that we didn't even prepare. So I'm I'm really excited. I think the one of the things that I'd really like to talk about that you mentioned just now is value. So 
whenever I was a like very, very small creator, very new to the space, I always heard the word like value. And people always told me like, make sure your streams are valuable for people. But what the heck does that mean? Mm. Yeah, you can use words and platitudes so much, they mean nothing, right? I mean, you right. can you can say so much without saying anything. So many people do that. I think advice about streaming gets very platitudinous. It's like, you're not saying anything. It's a bumper sticker. So to get yes. practical, um, I always try to get practical. That's why I say, you know, why should anybody watch you? And then I give you a series of questions to ask. I have, I have you know, numerous talks about that because that's going to get down into the practical nature of who you are, gamer, viewpoints, opinions, et cetera. And then I'll help you kind of craft a brand and craft content. And value as a concept is different than entertainment. Entertainment is basically, is it is it enjoyable to watch? Is it is it funny? Is it is it lively, et cetera? There's a, there's a, there's a spectrum of entertainment, right? It could be highly competitive and they want to watch somebody play really well, or the person could be just very, very fun to be around and, and interact with, right? So entertainment's got this big, broad spectrum where you have to kind of find where you land on that spectrum and dig in. So with value, though, value is essentially the knobs you can turn up on your stream that make people feel like they got something for their time, whether it's a great conversation. That's a value point. Like, how good can that conversation be? This is why question and answer is a great format for streamers because that is a very one-to-one back and forth with the audience. People love that interaction. And and Q&A is very, like, it's formulaic and structured. And they and that, that back and forth, I think, is a, is a great way for someone to feel like there's value. It's like, I got something for my time. It's almost like a transaction. You know, they're, they're spending their time and or money in your stream. And what are they getting in return? And so the question is always, how can I increase value? The only way you can really increase value is really having your jaw locked on what it is you're creating. So if you're creating, a, you know, a podcast, the way you're going to increase value is doing what you've done. You've got questions written up, you're prepared, you send the questions to the guest ahead of time to orient them. So it's not this haphazard whirlwind of confusion. It's not unorganized. Maybe you think about audio. How can I make the audio better? That's another way to think about value. Anytime you're, you're thinking about value, that's what you're asking. How can I make this better so that when someone leaves, they feel like they got something for their time? When I was running raids in Destiny, I was never satisfied with how we were doing it. I wanted someone that tuned in that may or may not enjoy watching me run a raid in Destiny, feel like they got something, whether it was interaction with me, maybe they got a laugh out of something that happened, maybe we were having a really good conversation. The more plates you're spinning in in the in that in that vein of entertainment, the more the more value they're going to get. So entertainment and value are definitely intrinsically linked. Like you can't really dis- like divide them. At the beginning of this, I kind of tried to divide them categorically so we could think clearly about what exactly you're trying to do. So if you're doing segments or a podcast or you want to talk about something, the way to increase value is to maybe have an outline, make it clear so you're not wandering in your thoughts and saying um a lot and having long pauses. If, if the if the viewer feels like everything is sort of seamless, that's that's when magic happens. When you watch a sleight of hand magician make cards disappear, you don't see you don't really see what goes into it. You just know the cards disappear. 
And the best streamers are the ones that you don't see the artistry. You don't see the brushstrokes. It's just awesome to be in the chat. And in the back of their mind, they're thinking about navigating chat topics. Should I respond to that person or not? Taking negative moments and inverting them into something entertaining, like things that can be frustrating. All of those are ways you can make the value of your stream go up instead of degradation of value usually comes from a lack of clarity or a lack of control. You either have no clarity on what it is you're doing. You don't know the type of content you want to make, or maybe you're not clear on the subject or the, the segment you want to do. That lack of clarity just cre- just creates uh, confusion. People get disoriented, like, wait, what's going on? What's he talking about? And then a lack of control is also when value degradation happens. It's like you're not in control of maybe your own emotions, the game, chat, etc. So that that is, I think, the way you you increase value. You always ask the question, people are leaving, people aren't watching. When I play this game or I do this thing, why am I losing viewers? It's, and, and you put it on the viewer, right? That's what a lot of people do. They put it on the viewer. Support the streamer, not the game. Absolutely not. No. The question I always ask is, how can I increase value? Never be satisfied with how polished you think something is, how good you think something is. If you can always raise it, you're always then adding, it's almost like branches on a tree or like a web, right? The, the tighter the web is, so if you think about making a web out of rope and you're like dragging it through the ocean, the more ropes that are on there and the tighter that web is, the more you're going to catch. And so the more the more like you increase the value, make these things all intersect, the more appealing you are. People might not like it when I rant and rave, but they really like it when I do question and answer. They might really, really like Destiny, but they don't like when I play No Man's Sky. But you're adding all these things that as you kind of comb over the audience, you're bringing people with you instead of being one-dimensional. Like you just have like two ropes and a net and you're like, all right, I'm gonna drag this through. Why is nobody watching? There's nothing, there's no substance. There's nothing there. You haven't done anything. You're just playing video games. Go go beyond that. Yes. is, is, Is how I would think about it. It's so massive, right? Because a lot of people like, there are so many people that acknowledge, hey, streaming is so much more than playing video games and turning on a camera. Yet whenever it comes to the stream, they don't really know how to enact that knowledge that they have because they're either not aware of what is actually valuable for people um, or they just haven't done that that work. They haven't analyzed their streams. And I think that's a huge part of what you do and what your strength is, is that you actually are able to ask those questions from the place of the viewer's perspective, right? And you take yourself out of that mindset of like, hey, I'm the streamer, give me love and attention regardless of what I play. Like that's not anyone's responsibility, right? Like it is your responsibility to bring people to your channel. It's your responsibility to grow your content in a way that people resonate with in a way that like fulfills something for them. And you're taking that responsibility. You're not putting that on other people like a lot of of people try to do. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's amazing. And I think, like I said, one of your strengths is just being analytical with your content. So how do you balance like content creation, which is such a huge part of what you do? You go way beyond just streaming. How do you balance mm-hmm. that creation, but also have time for like your family and also analyzing the things that you're doing? Um, <laughs> if I ever figure it out, I'll come back on the cast <laughs> and tell you. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> you, you have to do... There's pragmatic things you can do that that will help. Different personalities are going to land on this in, in a variety of ways, but time blocking is very helpful with a family. 
you if you respect the time block, then conversely, your family will respect it as well. If I'm going late every day, I'm supposed to end and be upstairs at 530. I'm not very good about this, but I, I'm, I land in the proximity of 530. If I was consistently going over in 6, 637, and my family can't rely on me, that's a, there's a disrespect there that's happening. I'm not, I'm not honoring the time block. It would then conversely make sense for some bitterness and resentment to come in, and then they don't respect the time block either. They come down, they interrupt me, maybe they're pestering me in the mornings, et cetera, because there's a, there's a lack of, I'm robbing them of what, of what feels like what would be a just exchange, right? If there's injustice, I'm not, I'm not coming up when I'm supposed to. Injustice, a sense of injustice and being wrong leads to anger, frustration, disappointment, et cetera. So just at a ground level for your personal life, you really have to be good about protecting that. There's a lot of streamers that have opened up and been honest about they were so in, in, enslaved to streaming that they ruined relationships and harmed friendships because it just became the only thing that mattered to them. That is symptomatic of something probably more within that person than just streaming, right? They're, they're, they're trying to fill a void of some sort. Like they're so, so trying to give themselves with it. that can affect your life in any in any any facet but streaming can do that because it's such a time vacuum you just lose time you look at the clock you're like it's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like oh it's six o'clock i have an hour before my alarm goes off and you feel like the alarm goes off as you close your eyes streaming is like that you look at the time you're like oh i've got two hours and then the next time you look at the clock you're like oh my gosh i gotta shut down guys oh oh, oh I, I wasn't watching the time it's such a time vacuum so you've got to respect those time blocks. Like that's that's a good foundation, I think. And then when you you get above that, now you've got your time block to play with. Okay, what am I going to do from seven in the morning until five thirty at night? That's my block of time during the day that I'm I'm streaming or creating content. I really promote what you're doing right now, which is repurposing your content. You're doing a podcast on Twitch to your live audience you're going to take this and put it other places. It's going to hit iTunes. Uh, you, if you haven't done so yet, look into getting it on Spotify, Google Play. Oh, we have. Various... <laughs> oh, we have. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then YouTube and then YouTube as well. The reason you want to repurpose your content is because you're one person and you, you can't be everywhere at once, but you kind of can. You can kind of cheat. And that's something that I do with, and I've been doing for a long time, is I'll do a segment on the the. Sh- the show and then I take it other places and that does a lot you'd be surprised what that does to your stream because if you're focused on content creation now you're more intentional about the time that you're live you're not just so laissez-faire like oh we're just streaming and chilling you're like no we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and then that kind of keeps you in the lane of you're taking it serious and then it serves multi, like multiple purposes. It's like, well, the, the audience is here is enjoying it. They're getting value. They love the Q&A. Maybe they love the discussion, whatever. Then it hits YouTube. Then it hits your other podcast platforms. Now you've got something you can put on Twitter as well. Like you're blasting Twitter with, hey, I talked about this. I, I, I learned about your podcast because Anna Prosser Robinson retweeted it. And I went to the workshop with her and she's fantastic. And I have so much respect for what she does, like getting into hosting, interviewing and shoutcasting is a huge passion of mine right now. So when I saw her retweet that, you better believe I went and listened to it. Well, I would not have done that if you weren't doing 
the the you weren't dutiful in being like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna repurpose it. It hits iTunes. I tweet it. Boom, and there it goes. And your graphics that you use. I saw Anna's face. I saw your face. I was like, oh, it, there there's so much that happened when I clicked on that link to listen to the podcast that led to the interview we're doing right now. That if you're just streaming, you're you're missing out on all of that. You're you're missing out on all of that. So repurposing content as a concept is like the next thing you want to do. So like create the pragmatic, block the time, stay in those lanes, don't disrespect the time. So you're still a human, you're still a person, especially if you have other responsibilities in a job, right? You're going to loathe your job at the bank if you're just giving everything you have to streaming and leaving no time for just sleep or food or whatever. You still have to be a human being. People still are, and then that'll have a, uh, a devaluation. That'll have a the return of investment of your time will start to go down because your streams will start to be not as good because you're not yourself, you're tired, etc. So when you respect those time blocks, like the next level that you move to is I'm going to repurpose my content. And then that sets the stage then for so much freedom. What are you going to create? You, you can do whatever you want. You can paint whatever you want on this canvas. What are you going to do? And a lot of people will stall out here and be like, I, I don't know. I was just going to play Destiny and hope people hung out. No, no, no. Like, go, go further than that. Like, what do you want to make? And then make it. That's the beauty of streaming. It's like a blank canvas. It's like you can, you can approach it like Bob Ross or you can approach it like Picasso. You can just splatter, whatever. Just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. The, the, biggest, the biggest cause for failure is inaction. You're just not doing it. You're not, you're not even trying. So once you're on that, st- that, that stratosphere, you can then say, let's say you want to do uh, a segment with your friends because maybe your friend's really funny and you're going to play with them and you're just going to ask him questions because you know he's a, a funny guy. And maybe you come up with a, a, something that you call it, you know, breakfast with Bob. Early in the morning, you're having coffee and you call it breakfast with Bob and you and Bob are playing a game and it's funny. Well, if you're thinking about from the foundation of repurposing the content, you'll be really intentional about how you handle that segment with him. And then that's going to touch down on every other piece of content that you make. If you're playing Fortnite, I'm, I, I, I try to be very intentional about either having funny moments, remembering funny moments for clips later, or I got into the shoutcasting. Well, now I'm actively creating content that can hit Twitter as a sample, YouTube as a full segment, like there's all these things firing so that that's when it gets really exciting because then you can drown yourself in ideas. That's a really good place to be because then you can chop the ones you don't like. It's really easy to let go of an idea if you're like, I don't like this. I didn't like how it made me feel. It's easy to do that when you have so many ideas. So don't be afraid to just throw stuff, like get on a notepad and just write down anything that comes to you and just see how it goes. You'd be surprised what suddenly just starts to fire on all cylinders for you is something you you don't just enjoy doing. But when you're enjoying it and you're passionate about it, that's when the audience starts to grab on and then they want you to keep doing it. It's so awesome to see someone else get up on their soapbox about this. Like <laughs> Something I was literally talking about like an hour ago with everyone. So that's absolutely amazing. And I think like with respect to everything else that you do in your life, time blocking is so huge because in content creation, there's always something to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could just 
you can just make and make and make and make and make forever and it's nonstop. It just doesn't, it doesn't end. So you have to put those boundaries on it at some point and control yourself and tell yourself to stop. Otherwise it gets very addictive, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people now that are coming out about like uh, burnouts and especially what you touched on, which is people that have like lost relationships and their entire lives have changed. They've, they've struggled in in interpersonal relationships because of how much time they've invested into content creation and not controlling it. So that's just absolutely massive. And I definitely want to get into here in just a little bit about how you have kind of transcended just being a streamer and talk a little bit more about the styles of content that you create. Um, But Mm -hmm. for now, my question for you is that like you mentioned that you're really active in like maybe destiny or, or Fortnite. Um, you're doing some shout casting over in Fortnite, and those two communities, like those are pretty large, right? Those aren't usually places where I recommend people try to go if they're looking to grow a stream. So is this is streaming in these directories, something that you feel like because of the numbers, like, and if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, like what is your average concurrent viewer count right now or do I you even think, know <laughs> i think right now i'm in the 500s yeah. somewhere so destiny we can we can hit really high peaks into the thousands but then de- you know Fortnite, we fall into like the 300s right so it's like really it's large compared to mm-hmm. people that are newer and are trying to be like up and coming in these directories so because of those numbers do you feel like it kind of like allows you to be in more popular spaces or is this something that you've always done it it really is difficult because when i go over to Fortnite, i don't go over there to grow my channel i know that i won't grow my channel over there i won't get seen um just the sheer volume of the directory and the nature of Twitch. I'm not going over there to grow. And I, you have to know that or you're going to experience disappointment and disillusionment. And then that makes for a bad stream, puts you in a bad mood. And I went through this when I first started streaming. I started with Borderlands 2. I had great viewership. And then like a month and a half later, I decided to stream some other games. And my viewership went from 150 or so people that was like my peak. I couldn't get more than 30. And I was just, that was a wake up call. Like what happened? Allegiance to a game is such a factor in the early days of growing your stream. So when you're starting out, the advice I usually give people is if you can find a game that has a decent directory, it's, it's, it's healthy. It's not dying, but at the same time, it doesn't, it's not over overloaded with people like Fortnite. Destiny two months ago was a great place to do this. It's not going to be a good place to do it in about a month. Uh, not Even not now, right? All the heavy hitters are back and the, the directory is very full. So it's hard to get noticed. Fortnite, you know, League of Legends, these are, these are directories. It's like jumping in the ocean and asking everybody to look at your cannonball. It's, nobody's going to see it, you know? <laughs> it's too big. So if you find a directory that is, it's got enough people in it for eyeballs to land on you, that's when I think that's when you can get into a nice place of just a rhythm. People are coming in, they're interacting with you. The pressure of responding to chat alerts and gaming is hitting you because it's very, it's not easy. It's like a muscle. Like it's awkward at first. You're going to stumble. You're going to feel like, man, I talked so much today. And then you're going to watch your past broadcast and be like, 
why am I so quiet? Like you're like that's gonna happen, and you need to be in a director, I think, where those early day lessons and experiments can happen. The challenge is finding those directories, honestly. The uh, Elder Scrolls Online might be decent. I don't know about the vision anymore. I don't know where it is. You need a game you can do something with over time. If you boot up Tomb Raider tomorrow or God of War, nobody's watching those games anymore. So relevancy is a factor. You you can't just stream an ancient game that you love. Like if you love Borderlands 1, that's great. You're not going to get any viewership. That's just the nature of the platform. It doesn't matter how passionate you are about Borderlands. You could know the ins and out of every nook and cranny, every weapon stat, every every line of dialogue. It doesn't matter. The three factors in game selection are relevancy. When well, no, I'm sorry, let me start over. The three factors of game game selection starts with you, your enjoyment. If you don't enjoy it, it's not going to work. You can't just pick what's relevant because that's what's next. So your enjoyment, then you build off of that to what's relevant. Is it a relevant game? And then thirdly, and this obviously means you have to have people showing up, community response is a factor as well. If you're going to dig your heels in because you love this game and it's relevant, but your community's like, we don't really like this, you have to ask the question, is the relevancy factor and your enjoyment factor strong enough to outweigh the fact that you might be losing some community members? Like when I stream Fortnite. I know my numbers are going to plummet. I know tons of people are like, I have no interest in Fortnite. But the relevancy, my enjoyment, as well as maybe we could even add another, another factor of what are you doing with the game, that might weigh in as well. Because when you're starting out without an audience and without eyes on you, it's very, very difficult to do a lot of the things that you hear streamers talk about doing. And make sure you're talking a lot. Interact with chat. It's difficult to do if there's nobody in chat. You need people, you need people there to, to, to apply a lot of this. And then the other thing you have to consider is why are you streaming the game? So for me, Destiny is home, it's the community, it's, that's, that's me streaming and, and maintaining the, the, the community that I've grown and the, and the brand that I've grown. But when I stream Fortnite, I'm not streaming Fortnite to grow. Sometimes you stream a game to create or to have an experience. Uh, you, may, you stream God of War the week it comes out, you kind of know you're not going to get watched. Everybody's going to be watching Lyric and the other Leviathans on the platform you're going to mainly hang out with a portion of your community and have an experience or you're creating something. So there's kind of three possible things you could be doing with the game. You're either doing it because it's good for your channel and it's good for growth and don't do this artificially. That's a terrible way to build your stream. Don't build your channel doing something you hate. It's a very, (laughs) don't do it. But, you know, growing your channel is a factor and people don't like talking about that. They don't like to talk about making money. They don't like to talk about growing your stream. If you don't admit that's a factor and put that into the into the schema of how you're planning, then don't bother streaming because that has to be part of what you're doing. Right. And a lot of people want to say, like, just play what makes you happy uh, and don't worry about literally anything else. And like, while in some situations, that's okay. That's, you know, maybe you just want you feel like playing a game and just enjoying yourself for a day. That's fine. But I think like. When you really take your stream seriously, if you want to grow, if you want this to be something that you create a full-time job out of, like it goes mm-hmm. beyond that. And it has to. You have to consider the fact that it has to be entertaining for the people that are there. Yeah, I, I generally think that visionaries and creatives are never... 
they, we, we don't live in the realm of like ideology. It's really ideological to be like, well, just play whatever you want. Just just play to have fun. That sounds so sweet. And it's like a Hallmark card on Twitter yeah, and everybody's totally. favorite and everybody retweets it. But that doesn't do anything in the realm of creativity, creation, channel growth. It's as Again, like, oh, you're going to play Borderlands 1 because you love it so much. Sweet. Talk to me in two months when no one's clicked follow, like no one's watching your channel. So if 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 the three things are like you're growing your channels, one reason you might play a game. The other reason you might play a game is to just experience it. And that's fine. I think that's important. I think there are times to just we're going to play God of War. We know this isn't going to be something that's particularly great for the channel. And that's fine. Don't get down in the mouth and like. Don't be too uh, don't be too transparent with your audience. Like, well, the viewership's going to suck, but we're going to play it anyway. Like, have a certain level of professionalism. Like, guys, I know this really isn't our home game. I know not as many people are going to chill, but I want to play this game and hang out with you. And then when you enter that mindset, I think it's easier to put up with what might ordinarily be very disappointing. Like, not as many people are watching. Where are all the homies? You kind of have to get over that. If you know it's coming, it's less disappointing, right? If you know the rides are closed at the fair, it's 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 not as easy to put up with, but when you go, you might do something else. But if you show up and you're like, oh my gosh, the rides are closed, that's a, that's a, that's a gut punch. So prepare yourself like, and have that in mind. The third reason you might play a game is you're going to create something. When I stream Fortnite, I am having fun. I love it. I play with the community. We have a ball, but I know I'm not growing my channel, so I'm not, I'm not experiencing that disappointment. I'm not, I'm, oh, nobody's here. I'm not I'm not doing it just to have an experience. That's part of it. But I'm creating something. Now you have something to focus on. If you have something to focus on, your mental energy is better spent, right? I'm I'm shoutcasting. I want to get better at shoutcasting. I want to improve upon this. I'm going to watch this later. You're aware. Like, I said this too many times. I need to work on that. Chat's giving you feedback. There's this really cool thing happening that nobody else gets to do. Who makes art that involves like an organic symbiotic relationship with an audience like other than i mean stand-up comics kind of do it but they're not writing the joke with the audience they're delivering the joke in maybe a different way like crafting and creating content with an audience's input that is just you don't get to do that anywhere else that's when the magic starts to happen i think and when you're doing that your 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 eyes are set on that you're not going to experience that disappointment of oh i'm not i don't have as many viewers because you're your mental energy is focused on a thing. You're creating content. And I think this helps people get beyond just being a streamer and being a content creator. And then then it's not about viewership or growing your channel. There's a time and a place for that. Now it's about, now it's about the product that you're creating and taking pride in that. And man, oh man, you feel so much better at the end of those streams. When I end a stream, we've had some great shout casting. I can't tell you what my viewership was. I can't tell you how the highs and the lows of the viewership because I'm like, no, I'm I'm creating a product. I'm creating a thing, and I'm and I'm helping refine it. And and when you do that, certain things might start to happen outside of streaming that maybe help you realize streaming is sort of just a catalyst to a bigger a bigger potential for yourself. And that is when you can leave behind the idea that you're just a streamer, I think. I love that. And it's really, just like you said, it's so important to transcend that idea of, I'm just a streamer, and just become 
beyond because that's really where you start to deliver like different styles of content and different value, which is going to get your face in front of more people, get that like community sense because people like are part of that as well, right? You seem like you really involve the people that are in your space and whatever it is that you're creating. So uh, that's actually something that I've noticed about you is I feel like a portion of the reason that you stand out in these spaces is because you create so many different styles of content for them. Like you've got the podcast, you've do, you're doing the shoutcasting, um, you've done like YouTube videos and you just have stuff everywhere and you're constantly creating. And I think a lot of people, if you really analyze the people that have been doing this for a while, um, you notice and you start to realize like they've got a ton of different styles of content. Right. So how how important do you feel like it is for people to go beyond just being a streamer and to branch out into these other places? It I think it's important at that stage of the journey where you have something to kind of play with early on. This is where you could maybe get too distracted and you're trying to spin too many plates. If you can spin if you can spin one or two plates get really good at that get really good at streaming and chat interaction and, and kind of getting getting a wrangle on that and you know, getting some growth and followers and maybe you get to a point where then you're affiliated and partnered the diverse diversification as a subject gets thrown around a lot by established content creators and i think that can be one of the reasons we touched on this in the beginning it can be one of the reasons people stall out it's so daunting. It's like listening to someone talk about climbing Mount Everest and you think about all the tools they have to use, the training they have to use, and you're just wanting to go camping with your buddies and hike up a, a small mountain in Kentucky, right? Well, you might never want to do it. You might. It's just too daunting. It's like, oh, this sounds so involved. Oh, my word. And I think that can happen. You hear content creators who have been in the business for three, four, five, six years, and they're talking about diversification and creating different content. And that's... It's, it's like a very successful athlete or a celebrity who starts a clothing line or, or starts maybe, maybe has their own cologne or something. That's the result of so much success and hard work. They get, they get to that point. So if you get to that point and diversification is something you're considering, and the only reason I do this big preface is because I know a lot of people that will listen to this, this broadcast and this podcast, they're not, they're not probably at that stage yet for diversification. However... I think you can lay good groundwork to prepare your audience for it. This is where diversification becomes extra painful late in your journey if you don't do things early on. So I have an entire video about diversification. I break it down into three parts. You internally diversify, and then you externally diversify, and then you... You, com you, you completely divide yourself from whatever it is you're doing. Like the third is sort of like almost like a departure diversification. So internal di diversification would be if you're like, let's say, I'll use Destiny as an example because it's just very familiar. If you're streaming Destiny and you become known for running raids and endgame content, internal diversification would look like you taking time every day. And I think the best time to do this is near the end of your stream. So when you've got two hours left, you're like, okay, guys, we're going to do something different, okay? You're, you're, you're getting them ready, right? You're, you're conditioning them a little bit here. This isn't like, it's not like social, ex, you know, experimentation. You're not being, like, manipulative. 
but you're getting your audience ready. You're kind of grooming them for this idea that you're going to shift gears at the end of the stream. So the last two hours, guys, we're going to play PvP. You're internally diversifying. You're staying in Destiny, right? But you're diversifying within that that ethos and that game and that community. And you do that for a while. And this is you spinning, you know, maybe a third plate. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're branching out a little bit. It's out of your comfort zone. It's going to be awkward. You're probably not going to be very good. Your stream's not going to be as good. And that's actually fine because that allows you to do what we talked about before. That allows you to come over and increase value. Okay, we tried PvP for a week. Let me watch some of my streams. How can I make this section of the stream better? Could I do something with the community? How am I handling the salt? What am I doing when this happens? Like, comb over it so that you're not just you're never just doing one thing. You're diversifying and you're increasing the value of that segment. You know, you're, so you're, you're branching out of PvP. Once people get accustomed to that idea, they're like, oh, wow, he does this different thing and that's okay. He or she can do something different and I still enjoy it. That's a good thing to sort of set up as a, as a scaffolding for your content. Then you can externally diversify. Guys, for the last two hours today, I'm going to play this other game. They're already kind of used to the idea of you branching out. You're not doing just Rage. You're not just doing Destiny. You're now playing this other game. And you will probably have more viewership loss and momentum loss when you when you do external diversification. But you're doing a lot. There's so much happening when you're doing this. You're growing as a broadcaster. You're getting more experienced. You're analyzing what you can and can't do. Some of the best things for you sometimes is just to fail. Man, I'm not good at this. These kind of games are just not for me. And I think that can be very important for your your content and your brand because that helps you kind of close that door. That's not for me. I'm not going to play those games. For me, it would be like fighting games or something. You know, I'd, I would break the controller and not be true to my name and it just wouldn't be an enjoyable experience for the audience, right? So I don't, I don't waste any emotional effort on that. And then when you do like a departure of diversification, that's when you're almost like branching outside of Twitch. You're pursuing hosting, interviewing, shoutcasting, maybe just doing podcasts that are more for the audio format. I don't know what it might be. Maybe something creative for YouTube, sketches, bits. Maybe you do IRL streams. I don't know. But I don't think you get there where it makes sense to be creating all this different types of content, whether it's a podcast, a Q&A segment, a shoutcast, you know, interviews, a multi-co-host podcast, like all these different types of things that you can do. I don't think you get there in the early stages of your journey, but you can certainly prepare for that. And then I also think that's good for you in the early days as a content creator and a broadcaster because I think you need diversity too. I think people get burned out and get stuck and they don't know what to do they keep playing the same game and keep doing what works right leverage the relevancy of what you're doing leverage it it's power i did this the wrong way when i played destiny and my stream was growing and i had lots of people watching me run raids i would drive that car to the edge of the cliff right to the end of my stream and then shut down was a horrible decision horrible it was a the, the, the time of the stream ending would add pressure. I'd get frustrated. It was bad content. And I wasn't leveraging my relevancy. Your relevancy is power, so don't waste it. If you know doing an activity or a certain stream or game takes you up to this height and you get there, live in the moment, experience it, enjoy it. It's good for your channel. And then you know eventually it's going to start coasting down anyway. That's natural. Take that, 
and go do something else. You might meet other people. You might you're you're exposing your peak audience to something else. Make sure and leverage the relevancy that you've earned. Don't be enslaved to it. I think people do that, and I did it. I know I did. They're like, well, this is what's working. This is what's getting me viewership and subs, and they just get shackled to it instead of leveraging it as power. So that, I think, is when you will start to be able to create other types of content. And the question was, how important is it? I think it's really important, but it's you. you there's a lot of steps and stages that I tried to outline on how to get there so that it happens in a good and sort of a healthy and organic way, and it's not almost forced. Like, don't force it if you're in the early days of streaming. It's just, it's probably not worth it right now. Absolutely. And I think a huge part of that, too, is I think what you're touching on here is is niching, right? So, like, you have your niche, but learning how to, at some point, realize that you have to go beyond that, and you can't just stay in that one niche anymore because you can, you can craft this, like, perfect product for a small group of people and serve them really, really, really well. But if you want to, like, see growth beyond just that one group of people, at some point you're going to have to pivot and include other styles of content and other things that, that you do. But if you haven't really hit that, like, point of just massive it doesn't even have to be massive growth but if you're not to the point yet where you're like well known in that space then like trying to diversify doesn't really make sense yet assuming that you want that value to kind of stay the same or similar so um I think, too, something that a lot of people focus on is that they don't really know what their own value is, right? And so they'll try to, like, copy or even just emulate larger, more established streamers. Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's talk about this. Should people actually do that? I think there's a big difference between inspiration and imitation, and people get the two confused all the time. Uh, the inspiration is essentially if someone is doing something and it inspires you to do something similar or something or your version of it, that's inspiration. Imitation is just you copying and doing the same thing. And that just doesn't work. The Twitch talks that I was doing that ended up on YouTube, you, I mean, that you ended up seeing, that was born out of inspiration. I saw somebody tweet. They said they had a great conversation about Twitch that morning with their community. I couldn't find the conversation. I wanted to find it. And then that kind of clicked in my brain. I ended up finding it, but I couldn't listen to the whole conversation. And something clicked in my brain. I was like, that's a really, really good thing to do on the platform. People want to, I'm going for it, right? I'm going for the... This segment that he did, I'm trying to find it. So there's a, there's value there, and it like triggered something like and inspired me to start doing Twitch talks. Now there are lots of people who talk about streaming on 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 the platform, so it's not particularly original. But my version of it, my approach to it, how I crafted it, how it changed over time, that was sort of my stamp on it. So anytime you're watching. Anytime you're watching a broadcaster do something that you find enjoyable, again, you're, you're, you're trying to write the book that you would read or create the broadcast that you would watch. So if you're watching a stream and you're like, man, I would watch this, I enjoy this, that's important because that's part of you. That's something you're passionate about and you enjoy, and that's a natural lane for you to get into. But what you have to make sure is you have to make sure you're putting your stamp on it, putting your version on it, your spin on it. And I think that's where inspiration comes in. So let's say somebody's doing a segment that you really enjoy. 
write that segment down on the top of a piece of paper and then maybe just underneath of it just a smattering of other ways to do it ways to make it better that's the, always the really good question i would watch people do raid helps in destiny and i was like my gosh this is so bad like they, they did this and this and Ugh. N- not in an arrogant way like oh they're terrible i'm so great but this is not enjoyable to watch this is painful how could they make this better and then write all those things down and then by the time you're done doing that you probably have an inspired piece of content that's yours how can i put my stamp on this and this is going to go all the way back to the initial question that i asked why should anybody watch you well you answer that by saying what kind of person am i what kind of gamer am i what kind of content do i want to create that helps you craft your brand that helps you craft your identity that's back there is like almost like this levy that you can lean back on and be like okay so how's this going to shade and cast light on this idea that I'm having? How would, how would I do this? How would Lono do this? How would Say No to Rage do this? So then you're not just a carbon copy of somebody else's content. And that's when passion happens. That's when excitement happens, which is infectious. People love to be around that. They love to, that's why motivational speakers are so popular. They channel that excitement and that passion that gets inside you and then you feel like you can go out and conquer the world and that's what segments do when they're stamped with you and not and not just somebody you know this is this is the walmart version of of coke right you don't want to be that you don't want to be the copy you don't want to be the the cheap knockoff yeah absolutely at some point you have to figure out like who am i right Mm -hmm. you have to ask those deep questions how do you figure that out did you ever do like any exercises to to find this or did you just kind of settle into to who you are? I I don't think I came to these realizations until I had been streaming for a while. Like I didn't know what streaming was. I was doing a blog post and a YouTube channel and my friend told me I should Twitch stream and I was like, "What the heck is that?" So I was kind of clueless. Uh, and then I started streaming Destiny and watching other content creators. I didn't start to think about this until I really watched other broadcasters that were established. And I said, okay, what are they doing that's infectious? What do they do that I kind of don't like? Because you, re- you recoil sometimes. You're watching a streamer that you love. It doesn't matter how much you love their content and, and, and who they are. They'll do something and you're like, ooh, I didn't like that. That made me uncomfortable. And it was, they, they overreacted to the troll or whatever the case may be. We're not, nobody's perfect, right? But that's when I started really thinking about how do I own my, bra, my brand and my broadcast? How do I own it? What, it, what am I about? What do I want to do? And that really started informing what I did on stream. You know, I was in a raid one day. I was playing with the same people and there was some guy just, just yammering away in my ear. And I just, it bothered me. It was like, you're, you're kind of hijacking my stream. I, I'm bored. And I was honest with, the, with, with, with my chat. I said, I'm not, I, I don't want to do this. I, I'm going through the motions. I'm not enjoying this. And their, their extension of me, right? Like your, your mods and your community are an extension of you. They, their, their feedback helped me kind of craft a completely different way to do raids. The same thing happened with the Twitch talks and the Q and a, and that all kind of happened as an organic, almost like an experiment. It was like, I want to do this thing. And they're like, okay, we'll help you do this thing. And they're submitting questions and I'm trying it out and they're giving me feedback. And during my Twitch talks and and crafting that content is when I started to come to realizations about who I was as a person, what made me tick, what I, what I want to do when I'm live. 
that I think is when you can start to then not copy somebody, but do your own spin on something that people do on the platform. It's, I mean, you're not going to be a hundred percent original that to a certain extent, that's almost impossible. You're always going to be pulling from whether it's stand up comedians that you've watched. You don't even know you're emulating them or they're, Maybe the way they joke, maybe the way they talk. I mean, sometimes I start talking like Jerry Seinfeld, and I intentionally do it, and I ramp it up. But because I've watched so much Jerry, I do sometimes start ranting like Jerry, not even intentionally. And then, obviously, I poke fun at myself, and I kind of go into the character of imitating Jerry. And I think knowing that you're never going to be truly original, but having that, that having your jaw sort of locked on to who am I reflecting on your personality, your gaming history, all those things I think help influence the type of content you want to create and the type of brand that you have. So that's not easy. I mean, I don't want to be simplistic and act like, yeah, just go figure this out, everybody, and then you'll be the next, you know, lyric or the next ninja. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. And it doesn't even mean you'll be successful even if you figure it out. But self-reflection is key, asking questions about yourself. Tell your story on a piece of paper somewhere, write it all down, or say it maybe on stream and listen back to it. What's your gaming history? When did you start playing video games? When did you start? What, what, what was it that made you take gaming more seriously? What are your most memorable gaming moments? You'd be surprised how kind of going through that almost creates a profile of who you are as a gamer. And then that's going to influence... What kind of content do you like? Who are your favorite content creators? What do they do that you particularly enjoy? What types of movies do you like? Who's your favorite stand-up comedian? All of those things are creating almost a profile for who you are that could inform, maybe some more than others will learn from this, that's going to inform the type of content creation that you go for and the type of person that you realize that you are. Self, self-reflection self and self-awareness is... It's not easy. It's why there's an entire industry for self-help and mental health because people struggle with these things and they form bad habits and maladaptive behavior and then they they end up not being self-aware and so that leads to other social frustrations and anxieties and problems and so it's this isn't easy but it's it's part of it if you're going to put yourself out there it's you then you've got to know who you are and you got to know what you want to create or you're or you're just going to stall out or do something that's disingenuous Right. And it's something that comes with time, too. Like you mentioned, a lot of people want to push like the easy button on this or the fast button on this and and think like, uh, let me just sit down real quick and spend five minutes and I'm going to figure out like the the (laughs) equation and I'll figure out the answer to this immediately. But there's not even an answer to this equation, I think. Like at, at one point when you feel like you know yourself very well, there are other questions that come into this problem and you become a more refined version of yourself or maybe you struggle a little bit from time to time as we all do because mm-hmm. having being this like perfection, right? Being a person who is completely just, they completely know themselves, you're always adapting, you're always changing. And so it's, I think it's just very important, like get as close as you can, but never hold yourself to the expectation that I know perfectly who I am and perfectly like what the next move is for me. Cause you may not. Um, well, and, and if ability is going to come into play here, I've given right. this speech so often, the three, the three factors are affinity, ability, and opportunity. So affinity is what do you love to do? Ability is, can you do it? And opportunity is is born out of how well dovetailed those two things are. So when you watch America's I, American Idol, there are people who have a strong affinity for singing. 
do they have an ability? No. So the auditions are hilarious. They're hysterical. You watch these people like, I'm the next, you know, Mariah Carey, and they're terrible. Their strong affinity doesn't create ability. So you have to have those two things dovetailed. So learning who you are, sometimes, as you were kind of hinting at, just try things. You'll learn really quickly whether or not you can do it. And letting go, I think, sometimes of, I really want to do this. And you you like you hold on to it with white knuckles, and it's this dream. And it, as it becomes a delusion, it's better to let go of it and maybe try something else. So ask those questions, too. What do I love doing? Write all those things down. What am I able to do? What am I good at? Who can confirm that I'm good at these things, family, friend? You know, people that will be honest with you, not the people that go to American Idol and let these people embarrass themselves, right? Like, people that will be honest with you. And when you find affinity and ability, if they start to dovetail on certain things, dig in on those things and ask, like, what could I create in in this vein? What type of content can I create? That's when satisfaction comes from what you're doing and not how well it's received. That's really important in the early days, too. Defining success early on is so difficult. Well, what's success? I don't know. My channel needs to grow. I need to be partnered. I want to get subs. If success is defined early on is more simplistically of I am really enjoying what I'm doing and crafting it and always improving it. That's when I think you can you can kind of rest in that that you're doing the best you can. You're always you're always combing over, watching past broadcasts, increasing that value. When you rest in that, there's more satisfaction, I think, and more peace, which probably will make you a better content creator when you're not stressing about growth. You need to grow, and I've said this before. You need to grow as a streamer before you're going to grow your stream. And that sounds like that sounds so silly and like like I said that sounds like a bumper sticker but that's so true. You need to grow as a streamer before you co- you focus on growing your stream. One comes before the other. Right. And you don't you don't get promoted and then become the person who deserved the promotion. Right? You deserve the promotion, you become the person who can do the job and then you get the promotion. That's how it works mm-hmm. just in life in general. And it's what you're explaining too is really similar to like the Japanese ikigai philosophy, if you've heard of that. So it's like these four intersections of what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for and what the world needs. And when mm-hmm. all four of those things, it's really similar to your your three. Whenever all four of those things come together, you create basically this like thing that you can monetize that you love that fulfills you that is something the world needs so you have that relevancy factor as well and so you're able to like take all of these these things and and pursue something that you really love and so you get fulfillment from that which really is the number one thing i think most of us are searching for in in life in general and a lot of people try to force streaming as being that thing that's going to fulfill me when it might not you might be a really great something else and get all of your fulfillment from that. But you never know until you, like, let go of maybe, you know, streaming isn't really doing it for you. Maybe you're not enjoying yourself and you're not finding joy and passion and excitement mm. and getting energy from it. Because if you're not, why the heck are you doing this, right? There's no mm. reason for it. So, okay, I could talk about that forever and, and definitely get on my soapbox about that, too. Like, there's is there enough room on your soapbox for me to get up there as well? Can we share this thing? Cause... <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> So I, I want to jump over and talk a little bit more about content creation before we jump into the Q&A here. Um, what are some opportunities for, hang on, let me let me clarify this and add some context to this question first. So being a, a mover and shaker in 
the Twitch space in content creation in general, this is going to get you a lot more attention than us just saying like, hey, here are the perfect ways to grow a stream, have a good schedule, do this, do this. Like being the first person to bring a market to this space is absolutely going to impact your growth. Um, it will provide you with like more authority. It will bring more people to your space if you're doing something different that has never really been done before. And this is kind of the equation that a lot of people are trying to figure out, right? Like, how can I be different? So I'm curious what you think are some opportunities for new types of content that you think would do well on Twitch? Oh, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> I've I got going on this the other day because I think that there is a lot of unrealized potential on the platform, and I don't think anybody's hit it yet. I don't know if we ever will. Nobody is actually using the platform to its fullest potential because, and the reason I say that is nothing else is like Twitch anywhere. So if you try and if you try and make parallels of Twitch to television. It's not the same because the interaction's not there and the communal sense isn't there. If you try and compare it to watching a band live or uh, watching a, a stand-up com- comedian live, again, the parallel breaks down because there's not a communal sense. They're there to be entertained. There's a bit of a back and forth, and then that's the end of it. It's an event. There is a a persistent growing organic nature to twitch right like you're persi- it's persistent in that you come back and it's kind of the same people every day it's a community and it's organic in that the back and forth between streamer and audience creates experiences and memories that cannot be predicted and often not even really planned for so given that i don't know if we've even hit the full potential of twitch because that back and forth could be leveraged for so many things. And I'll give you an example of something I thought of. And this would be very difficult to pull off, but I think it could happen because of the because of the success of Dr. Disrespect. I think there could be more character interplay on the platform because the loyalty aspect of Twitch isn't being leveraged for entertainment right now, right? There's playful back and forth between streamers and smack talk, but not to the, to the degree that you might see when you go to watch wrestling. And so I grew up and would see, you know, Steve Austin and The Rock and people got their signs and their shirts on. And everybody's going crazy. It's electric. Everybody wants to see who's going to win and will, will their guy beat the other guy and everybody's yelling and screaming. There's something, there's like an electricity in the air. That's not happening on the platform, and it could. If there was a back and forth, if there was... You could have fight nights, you know, between the two characters. They're going back and forth. They're talking smack. And you're leveraging the brand loyalty on the platform for entertainment. Because brand loyalty is dangerous on the platform. People can... There's infighting and toxicity, and people could be mean. I think other characters trying to be successful on the platform will always struggle because... The, the the loyalist to Doc disrespect will kind of be like, this is just, this is a cheap knockoff, etc. And I'm not just saying this because I tried to do a character and got criticism for it. But I'm saying that because it's, I've seen it happen. You see the, the character side of, of Twitch not get the traction that it could because it starts, because the brand loyalty kind of short circuits it. So I could totally see 
a very planned out and and art artful approach to this where another character would interact with and it would have to almost have someone like doc be the catalyst where there's a back and forth between them there's a there's a banter they're arguing and this is where the brand loyalty comes in like the two chats are going back and forth there's spamming of emotes you could have a fight night where tune in friday night these guys are going to go head to head there is so much potential there that just isn't being tapped into because again this is an organic and persistent thing where there's community there's brand loyalty there's a back and forth between the broadcasters and the audience and i don't think we've tapped into that yet so there's huge potential there there's also potential i think too for with what i've been doing with shoutcasting if you really went high production value and you got the right people Start. You could really start leveraging Fortnite instead of streaming Fortnite. Don't just stream Fortnite. Don't just stream the next hot game. Everybody's doing that. You're 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 white noise at that point. Everybody is going into the Fortnite tournaments hoping to win money, right? Everybody. And I'm not faulting anybody for doing that. Go beyond that. Leverage the game to create something. Leverage the relevancy of Fortnite. And the big guys should really think about this. They'll probably steal the idea and they'll and then I'll never get any credit. But <laughs> they have the plat they have the platform. So if I was if I was if I was the big guy on on the block in Fortnite, you better believe I wouldn't just be streaming Fortnite. I would be leveraging it and I would be doing all sorts of different things. I'd be creating segments, maybe like sh- like shoutcast satire night where you're basically just you get people to agree and you watch them and you make fun of them and you're teasing them it's all done in good spirits and it's a show it's a whole production it's a whole show because you've got the audience and instead of just feeding them the same thing every night like you know Fortnite, 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 start diversifying their expectations and do something else when i say somebody in chess is what does leveraging it mean like use it for use it for power you know, like, okay, tons of people are watching Fortnite. Instead of just streaming Fortnite, use it for something else. Use it for content, segments, shows. And that's when you start to get something really special. Because if you want to stand out, that's how you stand out. I mean, if you watch CDN the Third, I think he's a good example of this. Seas is very creative, on the fly, doing funny things, being really entertaining, being original. You don't want to miss one of his streams, right? When he's streaming Fortnite, he's not just streaming Fortnite. It's a whole thing. He raps, he does songs, he goofs around with people. It's it's a whole thing. It's very, very well done. But he's just like the tip of the iceberg of, I think, was what is possible. When a game is popular, as I said before when I was talking about, I would raid till the end of the day. Don't, don't be enslaved to the relevancy. Leverage it. Do something with it. And I think a lot of these guys are. Right now, I think there's a big focus, right? There's a metamorphosis. Fortnite's popular and there's lots of tournaments and so they're trying to get established as like professional players and making money and all that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of those guys could really afford to say, what could we do on a weekly basis and and really leverage this popularity that we have, this relevancy, this fire, and do something other than just streaming and playing the game. They stream and they laugh and they have fun and that's their job, but I always think you can go beyond just that. Right. So those are my, those are those are my two ideas of, of of what could be happening right now that's not happening on the platform. Right. And there's so many like different styles of content that are out there that we could be creating and literally every single 
directory. So it's not limited to just Fortnite, whereas like, yes, they absolutely should be creating many, many different types of things for the popularity of that game. There's no reason for people not to try and do that. But I think at the same time, it's like there's an entire content acquisition team at Twitch, right? And their job is to bring new audiences and like new, uh, very, very passionate industries to Twitch. So like, why are we not, as the people who are already here on the platform, trying to be like the first movers to those industries as well? Like, I've talked to a few people recently, and they're bringing like the wrestling community over they're bringing the automotive community over they're bringing i i wouldn't be surprised if they went out and tried to get like literally everyone right everyone who has built and shown some form of success on other content platforms why are they not trying to leverage that into like a live show as well right um, well exactly and they've and they've gotten close to this see this this isn't really content creators so this is why i didn't say this one but when you go to comic con which is very it's close in proximity to like E3, PAX, et cetera. It's the same kind of people. Why are we not getting in, do a deal with The Walking Dead? And some of this might not be possible, but this is just an idea. What if you did a deal with The Walking Dead where you did a, a season marathon over the weekend and you had scheduled times where in between episodes, you Skype in cast members, you have Q&A, people can sub to the Walking Dead channel, get Walking Dead emotes, they can submit questions and actually hear like Lauren Cohen answer like, oh my gosh, like that, that, that's a gold mine. Like, oh my gosh, like people would eat that up. Now, obviously contractual agreements and stuff, the red tape could make that almost impossible. Content creators can't really do that, but that's certainly something I think Twitch could do. I've, I've had that idea for years. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. And then, you know, they do a run of Power Rangers and stuff. That's neat, but that's not really communally connected as it would be if you did something like the idea with The Walking Dead. Right. It's not like the current zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think, like, <sighs> there's just, there's so much potential. There's just so, I, I see potential everywhere, and I think it's hard as someone who has the ability to see opportunities like that, because you're like, oh, if someone would just come in and do this thing, please someone come in and like be the head, like lead figure of this style of content. I guarantee you, you will blow up. And then having people that are like passionate about that thing, but they just don't take action. Cause that's really, you said earlier, that's what separates the people who actually see success from the people who absolutely don't is the people who see success take action routinely and they fail sometimes and that's part of that road of success is not necessarily just here's my straight path boom success it's you're gonna suck sometimes you're gonna fail sometimes you're gonna have casts that don't resonate you're gonna have like weeks where you just don't feel like you're being a good performer there's uh, there's so much that goes into it so it's mm-hmm. it's really really awesome to to talk about we're gonna get here in just a second i know i've i've mentioned before that we're gonna do a q a so we will get to a q and a here in just a minute um but i have a couple questions left for you and one of them is uh about creator camp okay because this is a new thing for those of you who don't know if you're listening to this on the podcast um, or if you are uh, watching us live on Twitch right now. So Twitch just released something, and they actually just had their first broadcast of this as well, which is where they basically are doing um, something that we've been doing on the channel too, where they're bringing in like established, successful streamers, and those people are now being put into more of an education role where they are helping people um, answering questions 
questions and helping the next wave of successful broadcasters kind of be up and coming um, and just learning more about this industry, which like I'm a big believer in knowledge, right? That's that's why I'm I'm not streaming for 15 people anymore like I did for three years. Like the the knowledge and the and I think just taking this seriously and treating it as a business is a huge mindset shift that a lot of people need to have if they want to see success on the platform. Um, and I'm curious if you feel like Creator Camp is kind of a step in the right direction for the future and for the growth of Twitch, or if you feel like this is kind of, eh, like it's not really that helpful. Like, can people actually get help if they're in another stream with like 10,000 other people who are all spamming follow for follow and who are asking questions too? <laughs> yeah, it depends on the format. I mean, I, I had the idea... I don't even know how long ago, two years ago, for something like this, like a mentorship program when I was first starting doing Twitch talks because people said, you know, why don't you monetize this? You could you could do Twitch coaching and look at someone's channel and give them advice. And I've never wanted to monetize it because I feel as if the large portion of my consumer base and demand would be people in more of a desperate position. They're desperate to be successful on Twitch, and I wouldn't want to make money off of desperation. But I always thought it'd be cool for Twitch to do something where they mentor a streamer, maybe get you in a program. They did the thing with the game show style recently because my friend Majin Taj was in it, where there was like, was it called Stream On Stream or something? Stream On, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's called Stream On. And that, so that was another cool idea of giving an opportunity for exposure. I like that aspect the 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 twitch school or camp or whatever they're calling it i i would have loved to be involved because i you know i've created a mountain of content about all these different subjects and i think it's good to get people all along the spectrum so i was glad to see like every video had like multiple content creators in it that i think that's important that you're you're hearing from you know all the different different shades the only thing i i worry about is how effective is it if it's impersonal and and generic? Now, I'm not saying it is impersonal and generic. I've not watched it. But my concern is with sort of collated structured content like that, it's going to be difficult to maybe land and truly benefit, uh, you know, the, the streamers themselves. So it might be cool to take it a step further. I've, I've, I'm always thinking this way, right? Like, th th this isn't good enough. Go further. That's, like, that's something I'm, I'm always saying. So have people listen to maybe even have like a program where they can go through and listen to all of the all of the segments they've created have some quizzes to make sure they actually paid attention to what the heck was going on and being told and then have people apply for a mentorship program that that if they're at a certain threshold or if they're at a certain growth pattern maybe they could qualify for where they would get maybe more direct feedback and and coaching and tips and ideas so that it's more personal and more applicable to what they're trying to do. For me, a lot of what I learn, I just kind of learn by watching other streamers, taking notes, taking my lumps, but also just talking about streaming was really important because the audience feedback was huge. It was like th their, their feedback and input formed and shaped so much of what I thought about what works with streaming, what doesn't, why does it work, why does it not work, how to approach different types of content. I got a lot of that from just interacting with the community. And so that back and forth, the personal back and forth, I think is, is really important. So they could take this a step further. It's a nice start. 
It's a nice start. It's cool to see an investment in the people starting out and then maybe going beyond it because affiliate ship is automatic. Partnership is getting close to being automatic. I don't want to take away from anybody who's gotten affiliated or partnered, but it's very different now. And I, to a certain degree, I think it's a little bit of a disservice to the people that are getting it because it, it, it isn't an earned sort of grind it out thing. That's kind of a necessary, a, a necessary thing because the platform's so saturated. It's really difficult to get that growth. Twitch doesn't leverage talent enough, I don't think. Talent scouts, I think, are severely needed because there are so many talented people on the platform that don't see the light of day because of the algorithmic realities of the website. I know many people who stream Fortnite that do very creative things. I always use Leopard as an example, his old name, Leopard Stealth. Lep is one of the most creative guys in the Fortnite directory and because of the size of his channel and the, and the viewership thresholds that he hits, no one sees him. He does a segment called Backseat Gamers after every game. And I'm telling you, it is an absolute home run, but nobody sees it. So if you have talent scouts finding people that are at this level of production, professionalism, intelligence, comedy, like he's hitting so many markers. Why are you not leveraging this guy to just add more diversity and variety to the directory, the people that show up? Not everybody that shows up wants wants to watch Fortnite Slayers. Maybe they want to watch something more like this. And this could dovetail very well, I think, with something like the Twitch camp because that input and that advice of like, wow, Lef, this thing you're doing is really cool. What if you did this? What if we helped you? What if we took some of these segments and we promoted them, right? People are like, what the heck? This guy makes fun of himself after games and it's in character. It's called Faxi Gamers. It's original. Nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing this, by the way. Completely original to him. And Twitch isn't leveraging it. How many other people like Lep are on the platform? I think, I happen to think probably a lot. And this, that could be an evolution of this, of the streamer camp thing. It's one thing to give advice. It's another thing to give, to give applicable input and assistance. I think the two can go together. So do you feel like Twitch is kind of at a, at a disconnect because they are kind of using the same people over and over for all of these different projects and, and products that they're launching? Or do you feel like they're doing that at all? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it. I think I, I, I want to be very careful with how I talk about this. I think <laughs> it, I think certain people are safe because they're vetted. They've used them before. They know they're going to show up. They know they're good at what they do. And there's literally nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having your your favorites or your golden streamers that, you know, the people that you're going to throw in front of the camera, that if you're going to do something, you're going to use these people. There's nothing wrong with that. I do think it'd be cool to see some other faces. It'd be, you know, and there could be, I don't know. I didn't see every single streamer that was in all those videos. It did look like there was a significant amount of variety. And I found that to be very encouraging. If it would have been the same four you know, golden streamers of Twitch, the four faces that we see all the time, right? Out of them like, oh, come on. But because each video had like a variety of casters, I was very encouraged by that. I do think there was very, very uh, good good variety. But it's always nice to see new new faces and new people, especially when there are people on the platform like yourself and myself and others who have created a lot of content about streaming, taking, you know, I don't even know how many question answer sessions I've done about streaming through my Twitch talks on YouTube. The playlist is huge. 
I think that is another thing that could be considered when they do future content. And I'm not just vying for myself here. There are other people on the platform who have regular conversations about this. There's obviously the Drop Frames podcast as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Professor Broman. T-Rex. T-Rex is in some of the, vi- the videos, and he's done Streaming 101 with his brother, Professor Broman. They've done that for a while, so it was good to see Sam in there because he, I think he has very good input as well. So that was nice to see. I don't know if they've used T for anything before. Yeah, it's awesome to see them, like, at least trying to be a little bit more inclusive of other creators. And I think, too, we have to kind of acknowledge that maybe some people have better relationships with Twitch or more necessary relationships for, like, specific projects that they are working on, which in that case, of course, like, yeah, of, of course, the people that come on the podcast are people that I I respect and that I know yeah. in some form. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I just, yeah. it's at the same time, we want to make sure that we're just like you said, there are so many different creators out there that deserve more attention. And I think uh, we kind of come we kind of come to an interesting question there, which is like, how much of this is on Twitch and how much of the responsibility belongs to the creator? Right. Cause that's, of course we want to be the responsible ones, but at the same time, like does Twitch as a platform have a responsibility to, bring more attention to more styles of content this happens all the time i talk about this Mm -hmm. because whenever i say here are things they could do to directories there's no filter options there's zero filter options for directories i am i'm amazed and and shocked it hasn't happened yet they're making changes to profile pages today and the ui change that they made to the left panel is good but frustrating because people get very accustomed to collapsing the left panel and they can't now so that's a ui change that kind of maybe should have been run by streamers and community members maybe that's what they're doing right now like right it's rolling out in pieces so let's all please provide that feedback that we would like it to be collapsible and then let's also provide the feedback that collapsing the left panels kind of bad if the really important call to action buttons are over there follow subscribe notifications so how many people are closing left panel and then every time they go into a new channel they're less likely to do the call to action i don't think that stuff belongs over there so i and again these are conversations that i think are important because i do think there's a give and take between twitch and the streamers right like Acting, people that get so reductionist about this, it's on the streamer. It's on you to get an audience. Uh, okay, that you're taking a truth and you're stretching it to the absolute, right? There are things that are true that aren't in this big, giant, like, meta. It encompasses everything. Like, it's all on you. It's not on Twitch. I mean, that's true, but at the same time, Twitch has to have the website working. They have to have me in the right directory, right? There are certain sides of this relationship where Twitch has to own their part. And I think from a business standpoint, they have a vested interest in leveraging the talent on the platform because other platforms are going to start scooping up talent if they're not careful. And you're going to lose those people. You lose that audience. You lose those subs, et cetera. There are already broadcasters that have moved to Facebook, Mixer, et cetera. And I'm not saying that's like a crisis for Twitch, but I think that's missed and lost revenue. And your job as a business is to maximize revenue. And if you're not maximizing revenue, that to me is a deficiency in the business structure. So that's not me saying it's all on Twitch. They should help me grow. Everything I just said is very careful and nuanced and it's driven by a business and a a revenue and a profit 
motivation, not I deserve a handout, come help me Twitch. I think Twitch stands to make more money, have better have better new user acquisition if there's more diverse streamers on display. There's a very, very small portion of people that get any exposure at all when new games come out. That's just that's just a fact. There's 20 to 50 streamers who basically run the website when new games come out. Nobody else gets seen. Nobody else gets any benefit. And that's not anybody's fault. Relevancy on new games is like vapor. It's like there's a week where everyone's like, Tomb Raider, God of War. And then a week later, it's like nobody cares. And that's not really on Twitch to like maintain the relevancy, but it could be on Twitch to say, here are really, really good streamers that we vetted that are excellent at single player games. We want to make sure these guys are getting seen. We want to make sure there's like maybe a rotator or something. Or your cash cows like League of Legends, Fortnite, PUBG, etc. You got big directories that are heavy hitters that pull in tons of viewers. You should have talent scouts for those directories and you should be trying to find people to rotate up or promote every once in a while or give those bumps so that their talent's getting seen and then like a sponge and a magnet just like pulling people in. Because not everybody that comes to Twitch wants to watch the top five or top ten people in that directory, and that's pretty much what they're left with. It's very difficult to navigate and get beyond that. And I think Twitch needs to consider that. Filter options, tags for directories. I know from inside information they've let us kind of see developer things that are on the way. Tags are on the way for directories, and that's fantastic. Filter options would be good too. I would like to see streams below 500 viewers. I want a more interactive stream. You know, I want to be in the hundreds to two hundreds. That option would be wonderful because if you're in that bracket, suddenly if you're streaming Fortnite and someone can filter down to, you know, a hundred to 400 viewer bracket, you're suddenly in that directory for those viewers. Those viewers are finding you like that's exactly what should be happening. You're not, you're not just drowning in the ocean where you know, Ninja, Lupo, Myth, all those guys are at the top and they deserve it. They're amazing casters and amazing players, but they're they're at the top, like getting all that exposure and that's great for them. But when somebody comes in and wants somebody that has 100 to 200 viewers and can actually interact with chat, maybe even have an opportunity to play with the caster, it's almost impossible to find people at that threshold without a filter option. So these are ways I think that Twitch can own their part in refining and perf- not perfecting, but aiming for a perfecting push for directories and broadcast exposure and leveraging talent. Right, and that's that's what blows my mind is like Twitch has needed a, a filter option like that for so long, for like years and years and years. This isn't new news. This isn't something that, that people just started talking about because Fortnite became popular. It's something that has been a part of the dialogue for a long, long, long time time since I've been a part of Twitch, which I've been here since 2013. Like, what the freaking heck? Why don't we have this yet? I think it's one of those things that once you put that out there, it doesn't really need a ton of work after that, right? Like, you'd give the, you give people the ability to, like, filter to sort through other streams, and then you're good. Like, that's, that, it doesn't, why is it? <sighs> Anyways, okay. 
Um, we're going to go ahead and open this up for Q&A. So for all of you who have been hanging out in the chat, feel free to throw down those questions right now. For those of you listening to this on the podcast, we go live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. We usually stream like one or two of these interviews a week. So if you have questions and you would like to have them answered by some amazing, just professional, well-spoken broadcasters like Lono, uh, definitely swing by. While everyone is kind of gearing up up their questions uh, my last question for you is what is your number one twitch tip oh wow my number one twitch tip is talk as much as you possibly can <laughs> at, at a ground level if you can do that if you can build that that muscle and you can build that mentality that is immediately interactive well nobody's in chat man who am i gonna talk to if you get really comfortable narrating your gameplay, you're really setting yourself up for when people are in chat. You go back, the oldest clip you can watch from my channel, I was streaming through the Xbox. I don't shut up throughout the entire clip. I'm narrating every jump, every move I make in Ori in the Blind Forest. And when people come in, if it's quiet, that's sort of immediately like, okay, what's happening here? So then they look at your gameplay. Your gameplay is going to have highs and lows. So the odds of somebody coming in right at the moment something really cool happens, it's rare. It's not really going to happen. And that's not even really your brand. That's not you. That's, that's not the stream. That's not the content. So if you can get to a place where you literally don't shut your mouth, then you're going to be in a very good place. Even if what you're saying is stupid nonsense, it doesn't matter. Some of the funniest moments on streams are when you literally just say the first thing that comes in to your head and that's why I had guys tell me we did a meetup here a while ago and they run a company uh, where they have to make sure everything's running well they're like on the tech side and they they said when I go quiet they're worried the internet goes out so if I go quiet they like check to see if the internet went out because I literally, awesome. I literally don't shut up so they know if I go quiet they're like oh no something's wrong the internet's down and because it's such a rarity on my channel and I think that's a huge value point of any stream because the reason people come back is not because primarily, right, when you're starting out, unless you're a god at Fortnite, your selling point isn't your gameplay. Your selling point is you. And if they feel like they get an interaction with you and a back and forth with you, that's the winsome magnet that will bring them back if you're doing everything else we talked about, right? You're owning your brand. You're creating value segments. You're trying to entertain. You're trying to talk. Talking constantly is such a huge, huge aspect of everything we talked about since this podcast started. If you can't get comfortable with that, everything else we talked about is just going to be so much more difficult for you. So be very comfortable with stream of consciousness, just nonstop talking, because it'll serve you very well when you start doing everything else we talked about. Right. And sometimes there are times where like you have to just go on autopilot. I don't do a ton of game streaming, but I know whenever I am streaming games or whenever I get back to that at some point, if I do, that me sitting in IRL and spending as much time literally just like staring into the camera, connecting with people and having a conversation, that's a skill that you develop. Right. And that's going to help a ton whenever I do start streaming games again. But I wasn't natural at this. It took me four months to talk to my chat. I felt like having a webcam up was super invasive and super awkward, even though I was in like speech and debate and acting and all of these courses that apparently set you up for being an amazing entertainer. So everyone kind of like has to get to that place. And
in their own time, I think, but really, really prioritize it, right? Because the number one thing that people come to Twitch for is like that entertainment value, that connection with another human being. They want to just like watch a game. There's a YouTube video. There's them being able to play the game, but you have the added bonus whenever it's live content of getting to interact, right? And getting to engage. And that's really the, the main strength, I think, of Twitch and why it's it's being shown lately to be like such a freaking powerful force of nature is because people get that they get to develop that trust with you um, just by spending time with you. So uh, username geek asked, <laughs> I love this, as someone who doesn't know anything about Lono or is a mod for him or speaks to him in a discord chat, <laughs> what's a good way to extend your community off of stream? The, the 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 real easy one is a discord uh because you're giving people a place to congregate after the stream's over it's the after party it's the late night it's the insomniacs it's the third shifters it's the whatever right and i think that's a very very easy way to let people congregate and if you're if you were doing all the things we talked about there's an, I have an entire video about selecting mods. And what I basically say is, is you don't actually select or promote mods. You merely affirm what's already happening. There are already people that are leaders in the community and in your chat. They're already doing it, right? They just don't have the clicker yet. They can't click ban or time out anybody. They're already a mod before you make them a mod. At least that's how you should approach it. Don't have mod tryouts for Frick's sake. Don't do applications. Yes. Just be in tune. Be in tune with what's going on. You're merely affirming what's going on. And when you do that, mods are an extension of you. This is why you don't let trolls and losers and and backseat gamers and people that are ruining the vibe, don't let them hang out or at the very least, don't let them do that. Stop them. Tell them, you know, ask them to stop because the de- I call it the desperation temptation. People fall into the desperation temptation when they start and they let people hang out that they shouldn't. And then because they're desperate for viewership and that hurts the vibe that turns people away that should, that might've stayed. If you wouldn't have let this idiot stick around, these other people might've stayed. They're like, well, this guy's just ruining the vibe. So if you're doing those things and you're, you're, you're fostering that mods are an extension of you, which then will, those are the people that can help you formulate that discord and and what it's there for. Are you going to have movie nights? Are you going to have an LFG? Are you going to do a clan system? Are you, what, what's it there for? And I think the mods and the people that you trust and the leaders and the people that are faithful to you will help you formulate that. It's a free and easy way to, to really just start to foster that sense of it's, it's more than they're just a viewer number. One of the best things I do is I go to a con once a year, Guardian Con, and have those nights where we're just hanging out in Discord playing and I'm having some drinks. Because that's such a strong reminder that that stupid red number that can haunt you and frustrate you and make you feel like a, a, a celebrity, all those emotions can be experienced because that stupid red number of how many people are in your stream and watching you, that red number is indicative of people, folks you consider friends, almost like family. And I think that is a, is a great way to keep that in your mind. So that's when you have those connections and that that loyalty and that love that starts to happen that I think so many streamers miss out on because they're just focused on the metrics and the numbers. So Discord's super easy. I really encourage people to use it. Obviously, maybe educate yourself a little bit on how to use it. You want to maybe protect it. If you have a general in a public room, maybe then you can also have it synced with dis, uh, with Twitch to have maybe sub only. 
or people that you just naturally on your own start approving because they can it can get you can get harassed and people can go in there and and troll it because you're asleep you know and they're going in there so put people in charge have mods that are not just mods of your twitch channel but mods of the discord as well yes absolutely and whenever you get people behind you on your team like that right it creates more of a, a likelihood that they're going to want to actually see that success because you're building this community and the space together it's not just reliant on you and how like attractive you are and how entertaining you are it's also you utilizing the skills or the time or the, just the passion of the people that are in your space so i think that's amazing also like whenever you're doing um whenever you are running sub only game nights and you're just hanging out in your discord you're really leveling with people and they're starting mm -hmm. to see you more as a person regardless of the numbers they still feel like they have a close like intimate connection connection with you even if you jump up into like the thousands of viewership with the games that you're playing mm -hmm. uh, let's move on to our next question which is from Karinsky 23 who asked what if you found a way to be unique and different on Twitch but no one is finding you assuming that yes we're using social media and engaging in other mm -hmm. streams but of course we could probably go even harder than that it's real. That's so tough. That that question is a good one because I gave the example of Leopard Stealth, Leopard in, in the Fortnite directory. I, I did things. I did a character. I did Fortnite things. There was all sorts of different segments and things I was doing. And the, the truth is relevancy is and, and, and viewership and getting seen is just a total... It, it's just an animal. You you can't really find it or wrestle it to the ground. You almost have to wait for it to cross your path. It's like the luck penny dropping. And the harder you're working, the more traction that's going to get. Because a lot of people are like, oh, it's all about luck. It's all about who you know. That's true to a point, but that's not an excuse. You can't be apathetic. You can't just sort of shrug your shoulders and not work hard. The harder you work, the more prepared you are. And I would use Dr. Lupo as an example. He just streamed like a madman. He probably streamed too much. I used to kind of get on his case like, dude, you're not sleeping. Holy frick. Like, you're always live, blah, blah, blah. But I think he saw. He saw what was happening with Fortnite and what could happen. And he worked unbelievably hard. And when that luck penny started dropping and the hype started happening and the Twitch Prime thing happened, like, oh, my gosh, you can get free Fortnite stuff with Twitch Prime. Oh, that that all that hard work was like putting you know rivets in the ground like it was just got so much traction on all his hard work and so if you're creating something that's unique you think man nobody else nobody else is is doing this this is unique this is funny right i, I i've done that i've created content i i know i'm biased but i'm like this is good this is funny content it's just not getting any traction the best thing you can do is ask the three questions am i enjoying this is it relevant how is my community responding if though if you're getting affirmations in those categories like okay then keep going if you're starting to say no to those things no i'm not really enjoying it it's not really relevant or oh the community doesn't really like it if the answers to those three questions start to get weak then cut cut it loose and don't force it i did that with the character that i was doing it was like I'm enjoying it. It's not really getting relevancy. The community's not really enjoying it. I wasn't able to answer with strong affirmations, so I kind of let it go. If you're going to answer those three questions, that affirmations, and you're going to continue doing it, then 
use the tools at your disposal to get it in front of people. Clip the funny parts. You can use that marker commands now in your chat. Forward slash marker will create a marker. So when you go to create the highlight of the past broadcast, there are literal like lines like marking those moments. So you can say, oh wow, this was a funny, this was a funny segment. Boom, marker. And then you go, and Twitch has made it very easy to do this. You can clip. I recommend clips being a minute to a minute and a half. And marker can be used also by people you have designated as editors. So if you designate your mods to be editors and you're in the moment and it's awesome, you can, you can do, they can do forward slash marker for you. Okay. And it, and it saves it. So yeah. And then use your stream decks, use your Elgato stream decks. Perfect. There you go. See? So then you download that. Okay. And you upload that to Twitter. Uploading the video directly to Twitter is key. Don't just tweet out the clip link. Don't do it. Put You'll be surprised at the viewership you get. I would tweet out a clip link. The twi- it would be like a link to Twitch, and it would get 30 views. When I embed it into the tweet, 2,000, 3,000 views, who knows? I had a shoutcasting clip that Dakota's retweeted and Golden Boy complimented, exploded, went viral, 33, 40,000 views. You got to have it in the tweet because you never know when that's going to happen. If Twitter or Doc Disrespect or somebody's like, this is funny, bam, and they hit it with a retweet, that thing's going to get so much exposure. So if you're doing funny segments, that's a key, key way, I think, of getting it out. If you can keep the clips down to a minute, I think, put it on Instagram too. Hit everything. Hit Facebook, hit Instagram, hit Twitter. Always make sure it's attached to things that direct people to your to your your Twitch profile. Because if it's hitting your Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and it's really easy for people to like, oh, this is the official Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter of Say No to Rage, twitch.tv slash Say No to Rage, and they click it and they end up on my channel, it's serving its purpose. I don't, but the thing is though, is if you're not getting traction on Twitch, that's that's probably the only other thing you can really do with the segment is just shove it in front of as many eyes as you can on other on other platforms so it might catch viral fire. Doc Disrespect's success came a lot from that. He is amazing. He's a great entertainer. And his clips of H1Z1 that started hitting Twitter are a huge reason why he became just this, he exploded because it was so easy. You're scrolling through your Twitter feed Who's this guy with the mustache? What the heck is this? And then you watch and you're like, well, this is hilarious. And now you're interested. Now you're going to check it out. So that would be my recommendation with segments and bits of uh, bits of content that you think is funny is slice those out and put them on Twitter and other places where the video is right there and easy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So much of it, though, is like you have to be getting those positive signals from the other spaces that you talked about. Like you have to be getting a positive response from your community. It has to be fun and fulfilling for you. I'm like choking on my own throat because I'm so excited right now. (laughs) It has to be fun and fulfilling for you. And it has to be something that you really know. And you you develop this like inner kind of um just this inner beast that kind of knows like no i know this content is going to take off i know this is going to be useful for people and you have that intuition as a content creator after you've been doing this for a little while so if you're hitting all those things right just keep believing in it and keep trying but if it's not fulfilling if it's not making you happy if people aren't really digging it then it's probably like you said just drop it and and try something else um and because you were 
um, you were a character streamer for a while. We actually have someone in here who right now is a bit of a character streamer as well. And he goes by the name of Cherubi Knight. And Cherubi's actually been like struggling a little bit recently because um, he, he got partnered on Twitch. Um, he was doing well for a while with, I think it was like the Smash community. He was doing some stuff with Mewtwo King. Um, but that that relationship, I guess, kind of degraded. They had a falling out, and now he's struggling, right, to find his place and his position mm-hmm. in in the space now. And and he's he's seen like just massive viewership drops, and like he can't. He's really really struggling, basically. So I'm curious, like, as someone like Cherubi who wants to be a character streamer, okay, um, you mentioned yourself, like you have history as one, but also that the future and the potential of character streamers on the platform is kind of like, uh, don't really know how that's going to work out, but there is potential mm-hmm. there. What the heck does someone in his position do? I think the foundation of a character has to be, is it has to be natural. If it's natural, that's going to lend itself to the most important factor i think which is that it has elasticity you got to be able to take a character into other things because if you can't then you're you're setting yourself up for a very very narrow chance right if you create an entire character i did i did a parody of dr disrespect for a charity thing right we did it for a month it was called mr destiny it was funny but then we cut it loose i didn't do it anymore it was for charity and it was narrow it was tied to destiny. It was clearly inspired by the two time. So that's an example of something you don't want to do if you're wanting it to have longevity and you're wanting to take it into other places. So if it's it's got to be natural. It's got to flow right out of you, right? I do I do silly hillbilly voices. So when I decided to do hillbilly Jack, it was easy. I didn't have to fight for it. I didn't have to like get in front of the mirror and practice. You know what I'm saying? It just it was just it was very natural. I also wanted it to have elasticity, so I, I I took it and thought about, okay, what are ways when I'm crafting this character, what is this character about? What are they like? What are they passionate about? What's their personality? Because if you're too generic, it doesn't matter. There's got to be a story. There's got to be a history there. There's got to be something behind the character. Ooh, context, yeah. Yeah, context, because if it doesn't feel real, it's just going to feel like somebody, you know, put, putting on a... Uh, an impression, right? Oh, you're just doing an impression. So if the, if the character becomes real, as 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 long as long as you think with that elastic mindset of like, I need to be able to take this into other avenues and places, that gives you a lot of freedom. Freedom to not just cut the character loose when you're like, this isn't working, but it gives you freedom to iterate. Okay, we're gonna try a whole playthrough. And I've got to do this sometime. I want to play through a scary game as the character. Because that is a whole different experience than watching Lono get scared, right? So do that. Like, take it into all these other places. Because you might find it that that magic just might happen all of a sudden. Boom! The, the, the character drops into a game. You're like, this is perfect. And then you can iterate on that. Like, what if it's great in a scary, scary game? Well, now you're off to the races, okay? Now you're not really playing games to try to grow your channel. You're creating content. Remember the two categories? Like, are you trying to grow your channel or are you creating content? 
Well, now you've got something you can do once a week where you're going to be playing a scary game and you know it's a dead directory, but it doesn't matter. Do you have an audience? Do you have people that like watching you? Great. They'll show up, you know, and for characters, the chat interaction might be secondary in this in this example, right? You're creating something that can then hit YouTube, carve out the really funny moments, clip them, put them on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. So then this character starts to become something people are like, I want to watch this. This is funny. Then when a horror game comes out, the new Resident Evil, not new, right? They're remaking it. You're, you're primed and ready to go. So that that's why elasticity is important because you never know what game type the character could land in that works. And also, you just don't want to paint yourself into a corner. If it's really good and it's really funny and it's natural and you're enjoying it, you don't want to limit its potential by making it and uh, Mr. Destiny is the example I use. Don't make Mr. Destiny. Don't make a character that is so locked tight on one game. If you're going to do that, then you better be so dadgum good. You better be able to make a character for for every game you play because that's what people are going to come to expect, right? You can't live off of one game. It's almost impossible. It, it's it's a very rare thing. So either make it elastic to take it with you or really, really dig down and make characters for each game, which I think would probably be very difficult and wear you out over time. That's amazing. Do you feel like... uh, Do you feel like if he is kind of... He's focused a little bit more, I think, on on serving this, like, Star Wars kind of packaged production, almost. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that too too pigeonholed into that one audience. Uh, I'd I'd have to know how much Star Wars is touching down on it. Like, is it, is it, is it limiting what you could do? Is it going to make it awkward and unnatural for you to play other games? Like where, where Mm, is it? Where is the Star Wars aspects landing was, would be, would be what I would want to know. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you're on the the East Coast, right? And you're are you needing to leave in like 15 minutes? I want to uh, make sure yeah. that I'm respectful of your time. <laughs> yeah, just just about. That's fine. Don't okay, don't uh, don't rush or cut anything. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, okay. So our next question is going to be. We'll do like a couple more questions here. Um, our next question is from Oz Mills, who asked, "What is the worst advice you've heard parroted so much?" Such a good question. <laughs> oh man. Uh, the worst advice, the worst advice that I hear all the time is work hard and the results will come. Yeah. Um <laughs> which isn't just adv- that's not even really bad advice, it's a lie. Uh <laughs> and I know that's uh, nobody likes to hear that, but I mean every time and I've used this example before. My wife and I like watching the television show The Voice and America's Got Talent. It's just it's uh it's real enjoyable programs, they're real wholesome and fun and it's fun to watch people get to try their best at something. And the part that always drives me crazy is when the winner says this just proves that if you work hard you can achieve your dreams. And I always want to ask them are you going to tell that to the 25 people you just beat for the million dollars? Cause it didn't happen for them. And they worked really, really hard, right? Like so many people don't make it. So many people aren't successful at singing movies, you know, acting, Twitch streaming, YouTube, right? Work hard and the results will come. 
No, that's not true. Like, I never want to give people this delusion, this idea, because I think that I've said it before. Do not hold on to a dream as it becomes a delusion because you're, you might be missing out on better opportunities. One of the best things that ever happened to me was a CEO told me I wasn't good enough. And it, it changed my it totally changed my my outlook of my business that I was forming at the time. It was a wake up call. He had the guts to tell me I wasn't good enough. I was pursuing big marketing firms to see if, like, oh, I could do your graphic design. I could take your graphic design. You could offload it to me. Well, he had the stones to tell me, you're not good enough, man. Like, we wouldn't use you. And that was eye-opening. It it saved me from wasted effort pursuing these big companies. Because most of them (laughs) wouldn't probably have the guts to tell me you're not good enough. They wouldn't. Let me, okay, this is is a big, like, narrative that's been built around our space as well is like back in 2015 I went full-time even though I I averaged like 20 viewers because I had somebody who was financially supporting me at an incredible level and I was able to move and like get all the things I needed for my stream and for the first time in my life never had to worry about money and then six months into that this person called me on Skype and was like there will be a lot of people who make it on Twitch but it will never be you and so I feel like that that experience right of having someone tell you you can't do this you're not good enough it incites this like fire inside of yourself where you're like guess freaking what guess what let me show you like i can be good enough at something i can blow myself out of the water because it's not easy to hear like you're just you're never gonna do anything you're never gonna do anything with this and that almost like shapes this like fire and this freaking passion inside of yourself because at that point you're like well am i a loser am i just not good enough do i want to live up to like that as as the way that people describe me or do i want to go above and beyond and like make something of Mm -hmm. myself so that's well that's really freaking awesome that you've had that same experience well, I think in your experience, there, there's two ways you can respond to that, right? Like somebody in chat's like, that guy sounds mean. Like, what? Well, he's a CEO for a reason. He can assess skill. He right. actually offered me a job in another department, right? And I thought it was good. Him seeing that skill in me, he wanted me to do client representation, basically. Like, I would represent the clients, be the go-between between the clients and the graphic designers. He's like, you're really good with people. You're very well-spoken. You'd be very good at this. And I think him affirming those skills helped me reassess what I was doing going after. And ultimately, I didn't take the job that he offered me because it was entry level. But it led to me changing my business plan, which ended up leaving me room to stream. Streaming surpassed my small business, and that's that's all I've been doing now for two and a half years. But when I tell people that it might not be for you, you might be kind of clutching on to something that's that's it's no longer a dream, it's becoming a delusion, right? I usually finish that by saying, if I tell you all this, if I say all these things and I almost try to scare you out of streaming, it's it's so nobody, almost nobody makes it. It's it's unbelievably rare, right? If you hear that and your neck stiffens and you dig your heels in and you're like, I'm going for it, well then you just might make it, right? But if you hear all that and you're like, I got to work hard, I got to do what, it's like if it causes this deflated feeling in you, you might want to stop now before you waste any more time or money. But if it motivates you and it provokes a fire in you, then then you just might make it. So, and someone in chat says, when does the dream become a delusion? I, I think, I think if it starts to, if it starts to go unrealized for such a long time that you're sacrificing natural relationships or other opportunities on the altar of it might happen, right? Mm, you're just yeah. if you're just sacrificing things to it, and it's not it's not becoming realized, and you're just like 
your natural friendships, if there are other opportunities and you're turning your back on them, I think that's when it's like, is this going to happen? Is this causing harm to my my potential to flourish as a human being? Like that, those, those are hard questions to ask, right? Like, and I think that's when you need friends and you need people that can tell you the honest to goodness truth. And and the, and the spectrum of streamer is hobbyist, enthusiast, professional. I think it's okay to stay as an enthusiast because then you maybe there's other opportunities, other things you could do, and streaming is going to really inform those skill sets and make you better equipped. I mean, who knows what might open to you if you're not just white-knuckled fighting for it and blind to other opportunities. If I would have just ignored that guy and been like, I didn't, you know, I, I took an honest assessment of my skills as a graphic designer. And I was like, you know what? He's right. I couldn't work for these guys. They're out of my league. You know, I don't have any of the training. And it, it made me reflect and other opportunities were waiting for me around the corner. That that wake up call helped me. So just make sure natural relationships and opportunities are not being passed over or sacrificed as it's just continuing year after year to go unrealized would be my my advice to saying When's it starting to become a delusion? Right. And that white knuckling like takes place for streamers and, and expresses itself in the way of you're streaming like six or seven days a week for like eight hours at a time, but you've got like three people in your chat and no one's really talking yet. You're still like you said, white knuckling it and trying to force something to happen. It's okay to like dial it back a little bit, figure mm. out like, where's the value, right? What can I really do here? And sometimes it takes more planning. It's okay for you to stream like three days a week, two or three days a week, even sometimes figure out with those other four days and that other big chunk of your time, mm. how you can like make your streams way better, way more impactful and valuable for people. What other like things you can bring to the table that haven't necessarily been done in this space yet. Okay. Then trying to like force something to happen that obviously isn't working. Right. Mm. So as like a last ditch effort, I think doing something like that, because that's personally what I did, is very, very helpful. But mm -hmm. still, we at some point, you know, you have to you have to figure out when you're just going to do the disconnect. So our last question here is hmm, let me pick a good one. There's so many good ones. I wish that we could really get to all of them. Um, there are so many people that I know have, have amazing, amazing questions. And, and so we'll maybe have to do a follow-up episode or something at some point, cause this was absolutely incredible. But Sarah Obscura asked, what are your tips for building a strong, positive community? Building a, a strong, positive community is going to grow out of your control of chat and controlling chats tough because I think people micromanage chat sometimes. I did that and letting go of that a little bit I think is very important. And the I always I don't know why I always think in threes, but everything comes for me in threes. <laughs> My talk on chat control is there are things that you ignore, there are things that you stiff arm, and there are things that you promote. So a really really good thing and habit to make and this is pretty liberating I think is you have to learn to ignore the mindless drive-by trolls. You got to get to a place where you can sniff them out. They come in and they immediately say something offensive or hateful. You just got to ignore that and kick them out. That, that's ex that, that is literally the best response. I know you want to get on a soapbox and preach at them and tell them how stupid they are. I know I'm there, but you got you to put those in that category. The category of ignore has got to be kind of full. It's got to be kind of full because I actually think most 
most streamers ignore, you know, 90 trolls and then respond to 10. And people remember the 10 that you respond to. So be sparing, okay? <laughs> it's fun to roast a troll. I use them for entertainment, but you got to do it in a sparing way. It can be, it can hijack your identity and what you're doing as a streamer when that, if that's all you're doing. There was a time where I think I did it too much. Uh, it, it works as a deterrent, honestly. If nobody wants to come in and be the butt of the streamer's joke. Nobody wants to feed the streamer entertainment, which is why I think roasting trolls is appropriate sometimes. Don't get in a back and forth with them. Use them for entertainment and then kick them to the curb. That's where they belong. But it, 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 as soon as you shift from ignoring, there are things you need to stiff arm. If someone comes in and says something that you don't like, it, people come into my stream and say, oh, this map is cancer. And we're like, hang on, bud. Like, use another word. Use another word, please. You know, we work with charities that have kids dying of that. Like, this is, there are people who have lost loved ones that find another word. And most people are like, oh, my bad. And they don't think about it. I'm trying to, like, raise their consciousness a little bit. Don't use that word, you know. And that, that the stiff arming is a filter. Who who can get past that filter? Who's okay with you being like, I, I'd prefer you not say cancer, or I'd prefer you not make political or racist jokes, right? Some streams are just it's just a no holds bar, right? It's like a it's like a bar fight in there and it's wild. And that's part of the identity of the streamer usually, right? It flows out of them. So you gotta you gotta have it locked in. Like what are you gonna ignore? What are you gonna stiff arm? And lastly, what are you gonna promote? Whatever you allow in chat will replicate itself. If, if, if you let people backseat game, if you let people joke in a certain way, it will replicate itself, and then it's a magnet. Someone comes in, and they like to joke in that way. It's off-color, right? I like to joke off-color. A friend of mine, Real Crafty, his chat gets wild, and it's, it's part of his vibe and his personality, and it's hilarious. My chat, it ain't like that. I run a PG stream. I don't swear. Chat's generally pretty clean. It gets lewd. It gets a lot of that's what she says, but it's generally pretty, pretty clean. And I think that's an extension of me, my personality, and my brand. So whenever you ignore stiff arm and promote, promotion's important, right? If you look at chat and someone says something you're really passionate about or they're being really positive and you interact with them, you're drawing attention to them in that moment. It's like, oh, this topic or this person or this vibe is something that the streamer values. It's something that the streamer pay, pays attention to. Whatever you allow and promote is going to sort of naturally just kind of replicate itself. This leads to the formation of your community. Like, why is he talking about controlling chat when I asked, how do you form a community? This is how you do it. Because if you allow the the negative Nancys and the pessimists and the down in the mouths and the backseat gamers, if you allow them to hang out, that's your community. And you're going to turn around and be like, what party did I walk into? I don't like any of these people, right? It's okay, to be honest. Like, I don't like those kind of people. I don't want them here. You'd be nice about it. But like, if you stiff arm it and you don't let them get a foothold, that sends a signal to the rest of the stream. We, he, this, she, or he don't—they don't like that. So I'm not going to do that, or they don't like that. Here I'm out. Either way, it's going to have a purifying effect on the people that stay and hang out. And then the what you promote. Oh, that's the streamer likes to talk about that. That's the kind of people he likes to interact with. You're you're just constantly sort of grooming over the chat and, and kicking out and ignoring or stiff-arming the, the stuff that you don't like and promoting the stuff that you do like. And then you're going to turn around in a year or two and the 40, 50, or 500 people that are hanging out, they're right there with you. There's this there's this vibe and this camaraderie, this 
the social contract of like how the day's going to go. Because when the day's not going like that, sometimes I'm like, chat, what has gotten into you today? Like sometimes you got to be dad or mom. I'm like, what has gotten into you, chat? Why are you being this way? You got to kind of steer the ship back. For the, but for the most part, it's just like this social agreement and contract about the kind of people that are going to hang out. That's their natural inclination. So it's just very organic and real. It's not fake or forced. They stay and love you and love the vibe because that's the kind of person that they are. So really dig in and know what am I going to allow and promote? Because my my chat vibe and the people that hang out every day, they're they're very different from those that hang out in a stream. Like I said, like with Real Crafty, both are great. Both are awesome communities and dope dope groups of people, but very very different. And if the type of community you want is somewhere along that spectrum, you just need to know where it is so that you can kind of answer the question, what am I going to ignore, stiff arm, or promote? And then your community is a result of that. Right. That's such a <laughs> such a good topic and a, a big depth. And I think here what confuses a lot of people is something you mentioned earlier where they're desperate for attention, basically. That, that desperation in the very beginning of the stream or being afraid to really, like, strong-arm people because I know that's personally something that I struggled with for a while. It's like, I don't want to I don't want to ban people because either that's a plus one or I don't want to ban them because I don't want them to hate me or I don't want to ban because I don't want to get trolls because I banned somebody that they really liked. So you really have to decide, like, what's the culture that I want to cultivate and how do I create that culture based on the things that I respond to in the chat and how I respond to those things, right? And over time, especially as you kind of establish what those boundaries are, the people that are in your space too, and you and you remind them like, hey, don't point out whenever like viewership is different. Don't talk about if there's a, a partner in chat or if there's like a, um, if there's a staff member in chat, don't, and you just kind of set that tone, right? You have those mm -hmm. conversations. And that's, I think the biggest part of this. I see a lot of questions about like, well, how do you control the chat? Well, how do you set this tone well how do you blah 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 and it's all just in the conversations that you have when you're live and setting the expectations and the boundaries for people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and don't forget you can do a reset you can reset chat you have the power That's if it's true, going, yeah. in a, going in a direction you don't like you know what the best thing to do is chat what uh i want to hear from you guys right now what's your favorite cereal what's your what was your favorite cartoon as a kid you just reset chat that those answers take over and it just whoosh, it just flushes out whatever weird vibe was happening. So mm -hmm. use those use those 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 questions are gold, like get chat to, to, to get on your side again. And I think yet yeah, I've heard people use the term chat bleach. They'll intentionally throw out some controversial question like is a hot dog a sandwich or is water wet? <laughs> I, yeah, those debates drive me crazy. But you can use anything along that spectrum to pull chat in and say, all right, go and you're basically lighting a fire and it just burns away all the nonsense or whatever was going on so don't be afraid to reset chat if it's not going the way you want yeah absolutely well this has been freaking fire like 10 out of 10 thank you so much for coming on and spending your time with us today this is like definitely top three fave episodes i think this is going to help a lot of people for a long time to come so thank you so much, Lono, for your time. Where can people go if they want to to get to know you more? Uh, everything is Say No to Rage. So Twitter and Twitch is the easiest way. Uh, just look up Say No to Rage and you will find my content. If you do Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, I'm there too. But the most consistent interactivity you'll get with me is Twitter and Twitch.
Uh, it's just so good. It was just so good. I hope you all enjoyed that. If you want to visit Lono, you can head over to twitch.tv slash say no to rage. There's also YouTube and social media and all of that. And the links for that are going to be in the show notes as well. And as a reminder, these shows are filmed live over at twitch.tv slash ashneychrist. We're live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. Mm, so good. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already and check out Anchor's new listener support feature. It's really cool. If you like to support us, that is definitely what you want to do slash where you want to go. Okay. Uh, yeah. (laughs) All right. I'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.